All right, guys, well, I hear there's some bad blood on the throne of Atlantis, but these days it's in the streets, too, and we can never forget that we are Alfonso Jones, and when Batman versus Robin, nobody wins. Black Lives Matter, this is not your father's root beer, and I wore this shirt last week, but I washed it. Welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast. It's quarantine, baby. Quarantine cast persists. I am here with Ryan Eliopoulos. It's me. I don't have a not your father's root beer, but I have a peach alcoholic drink that's just as good. That's dope. I'm also here with Ben Magnet. I don't have any alcohol drinks with me right now, but there are some in my fridge, and I drank half a six-pack earlier today, so I think I'm a, I'm good for right now. Or am I? And Brandon T. McClure. Yeah, I'm going to get high real soon, so I got my chocolate, since we're all I'm talking about everything. To chocolate! <laughs> I'm looking chocolate. forward to it. I'm Sparks Witty. We're a little high on our energy because Ryan and I were at a protest today. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? It was fantastic, Brandon. Thank you for asking. Uh, it... Honestly, I have not felt more optimistic in a long time until today because of the amount of people that came out and the amount of people who were supporting us while we were out. That's awesome. Yeah. Our area. I'm like, man, I, I really like our area. Now that I know how many people here are like, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. oh, this is great. Uh, I think we should, we should mention up top, uh, we talked about this before the show, but we will be touching on the current events going on right now dur- towards our book club. Uh, our book club directly relates to what is happening right now. There's no, uh, that, that was a conscious decision, no accident. Right. Um, so we will be touching on that on that towards the end of the episode. Just so uh, a heads up for the people not watching this right now, but for the people watching uh, the replay or on iTunes right now. Right. Yes. And we will remind you when we're getting there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So how was everyone's week other than that? This feels like the longest week ever. Yeah. <laughs> man. So so not that much news, but it's all still impactful. And then all the world stuff. Like I, this was a long ass week for sure. 100%. Yeah. I, weeks, yeah. I was getting I, ready to, I was getting ready to like log on here to talk to you guys. And I was just like, man, I haven't seen them in a month. Yeah. It feels like it. A month's worth of stuff has happened in a week. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so how so what'd you guys do this week? Uh, I'll go first. Um, besides um, uh, being activated and a revolutionist and wanting change and uh, all that great stuff, I didn't do a lot because a lot of my free time was watching a lot of protests and looking up stuff to help me and help my community. Um, I play a little bit of control. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. That game scares me, so I can't play it for long periods of time. And not many games can do that. And I, I, I revel in the in the uh, atmosphere that that game gives me because there's always like demonic chants around every corner or things are popping up or you'll you'll open a door like in um what was the game we played for Halloween um the Evil Within how you'd open oh. a door and it's a completely different environment and like oh, things yeah. you turn that was fun yeah uh, so it's very much a sci-fi game but um it's very it's rooted in this really boring nine to five mundane mundane um like work workflow but it's dealing with paranormal uh, activity in parallel dimensions and monsters but writing it like it's a memo and it's it's the tone it's like part comedy part really horrific shit's going on so it's like if sam raimi were given something like it feels like sam raimi uh hard edge uh the tone's really funny and i think i think you're really gonna love it whenever you, I'm you eventually play it but um i can only play the game for like an hour or two at a time because it really spooks me <laughs> like a lot yeah. um and Thank you for doing that, because not again, not a lot of games can do that. Um, besides that, we watched some television together uh, and a couple movies together. Uh, uh, that's about it for me. Yeah. I'm trying to do more, but it's hard when I uh, I got better, sure. th- better things to do. Yeah, and work. And oh, I also have a job. That really sucks. Yeah, that's been hard. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we definitely watched some shows together. We caught, we're still caught up on Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's wild. The um, shows continues to be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we we can keep continuing to sing the praises of Harley Quinn. Um, I'll go over what we did together, uh, which is we also uh, finished Doom Patrol. We finished Doom Patrol. Yeah, oh, wow. uh, that's definitely the best show out of the DC universe app stuff. It's probably the best DC TV show right now. For, on right now, yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like like uh, across the board uh, of all of them, it's it's the best. That's uh, awesome. Not counting Watchmen. I know that's technically DC. Not counting Watchmen yeah. <laughs> uh, on HBO. But yeah, um, Doom Patrol was wild. Just a wild, wonderful ending. Uh, I'm so excited for season two. Yeah, um, um, what a like seriously progressive, like, and not just for the sake of being progressive, but like just being inclusive. Because Doom Patrol is about a bunch of like rejects, basically. And it's just how all these people are going through so much shit and how like they're all going through it. And no superhero show really the closest the closest show i can think of is something like legion but it's not as it's not as like Way surreal it's, but it's like a comedic legion because it really does go straight up bonkers like the villain monologues about how he has control of the dc cinematic or the dc streaming service and he'll turn the whole streaming service off like it's it's really bonkers really fun stuff and again i'm really glad we waited to watch it because now we're just like two weeks away from it and nice. i'm i'm jonesing for it yeah um we also played some overwatch together uh, and that was good. We also got you in on that, Brandon, at one point. Yeah. Um, that was great because that, that anniversary event is ending. And we watched Dark City together because yeah. we're trying to, uh, in our home with Megan, we're just trying to, like, we put a whole bunch of movies into a bucket and we're just trying to pick them, like, once a week and toss a movie out there that we would just want to watch together as a group, uh, regardless of, like, our other plans to do things and stuff like that. So we did that. That was all the stuff we did together. Um, I picked up uh, a cartoon that I, I, I fell off a lot of my Cartoon Network shows for a while there, but I'm trying to pick them back up one by one. And I picked up Craig of the Creek. So I'm catching up on Craig of the Creek, which is a fantastic cartoon for anyone who cares about that. With Megan, I finished the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt series and watched the interactive special. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ser- the last season is very uneven. And uh, I don't know how well it really stuck its landing. Uh, certainly not it meandered on its way there. Uh, the special really helps a lot with that. I was wrong about who Daniel Radcliffe plays. He's wonderful in it. Daniel Radcliffe is playing uh, Kimmy's uh, husband-to-be. Oh, oh okay. Very, very good. Um, that's not, yeah, it, it, that doesn't really spoil anything for you, but it's, it's the, the interactive special, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt lends itself really well to that format, and they do a lot with it. And it's very entertaining um, and a much better finale to that that whole thing. Uh, so I was really happy to see that. Um, I bought a brand new computer. Um, nice. You've been wanting one forever. Yes, I'm, I'm excited about it. It is going to probably be a few weeks before I have it fully set up and running right now. I have to take the time to transfer because I'm going from a Mac to PC. So I have to make oh, everything. So I have to take the time for everything to be uh transferable and uh, pull it off and i have to make room for my mac to still exist because there's some things that i just can't transfer to the pc and i have to finish working on on the mac and then i can be done with the mac um so it's going to be a little bit of a process that's wild that you decided to go for a pc well the thing is uh, i talked for a long time with some of my friends and then his friends who know a lot more about computers than i do 
And the thing is that Mac desktops are not designed well anymore for the software for rendering high definition video and video editing sure. program. They're just not built for it anymore. Um, and PCs are like miles ahead. And so like I could spend the same amount of money on a Mac desktop and I'd be working off worse software when I come to video editing. And the, cause that's such a major thing that I do with the computer. That was my focus. So PC became the way to go and it was more affordable. Honestly, I still yeah. spent less. I spent a lot of money, but I still spent less than I would have spent on a Mac desktop to run not even as well. And now you have a probably very supercomputer. I have a very powerful PC. Hell yeah, baby. We're going to be PC um, computing. Yeah, I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Uh, I'm glad that that's going to happen. So in the very near future, it's going to be much. I'm, we're talking like my current Mac, when I edit the videos for fake nerd podcasts and put them on YouTube, those re the rendering process itself usually takes about 30 minutes to an hour. The exporting process can take up to one to four hours, depending how exhausted my computer decides it is. Mm -hmm. On this PC, we're talking minutes. We're talking seconds of rendering, minutes of exportation. I'm going to be able to do things a lot faster. Because uh, that computer is like 11 years old. So yeah. I remember when you got it. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be much, much better for us. It's going to be much better for me. We'll talk. Um, I watched the first episode of the Not Too Late Show with Elmo. Oh, I forgot. Uh, just the first episode. That's wonderful. I got to watch that. That is a wonderful little piece of, uh, it had Jimmy Fallon on it, and I don't like him. And I still went, this is wonderful. <laughs> this is so nice. I made Jimmy good. Um, uh, Elmo's so, so sweet. It's very funny because uh, the, the whole thing is run in the mid, as uh, though Elmo is at his home and he's just finished dinner with his parents and his bedtime is coming up. And he's like, he asks his parents, do I have time to do my late show? And they're like, oh, sure, Elmo. And he steps, he gets into a little suit and he steps behind the curtain into the, his living room and then it's the stage show. And then his parents every now and then have to check it and be like, Elmo, it's almost time to brush your teeth. And he's like, oh, okay, we just have one last musical guest and stuff oh like that. God, like, this so is cool. so awesome. And it's <laughs> Was it from was it from that show where Emma's dad talked to him about how like not all streets are the same? No, no, no. So that that's really cool. Oh, but that okay. was the thing that the Sesame Street is doing a series of specials with CNN. Okay, yeah. Uh, to talk to help parents talk to their kids about racism, which is really cool, and that's a totally different thing that's happening right now. But okay. that's awesome too. Mm -hmm. um, I watched the newest Charlie's Angels film. Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought it was really good. Good. Oh, I actually cool. really enjoyed it. Um, did you saw it right, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not know that they were saying that the original show and the past two movies were canon. Yeah, I wanted to tell you that, but I couldn't because I was spoiled something really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think it spoils anything else if you just say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you want to watch it. It's very cool. Like, I know what you're talking about, and yeah. I won't say that part, but, but the, the, the way that they do it is very fun. Um, but I was very thrilled with that. I'm like, oh, that's really nice. That's really yeah. nice to be like, because because the the way that the foundation is set up under Charlie is actually very different now, and it makes it make more sense that it's like evolved over time. Uh, and I thought that was a really nice touch. I I would I really like the chemistry between the three ladies. Mm -hmm. I think they're all great. Um, I picked up on what was happening pretty early on, but I didn't mind it. I thought they still were doing a, a pretty good job of trying to keep the twists fun. Mm -hmm. um, there are some twists in there, and, and uh, you might catch on to it early, but it doesn't. It's still it doesn't ruin. It's it. still nice because it's not. It doesn't feel. It feels still more creative than than I think most people would have thought it was. Because I certainly like when I first went into the movie, I had no idea that's how the, it was going to play out. You start to pick it up about halfway in. 
but it's still like really well done i think overall um i think the writing's tight i think kristen stewart's a lot of fun i love kristen. um and, and she's uh, having a lot of fun in it like she's having yeah. a blast uh, everyone's having a really good time in it and it's very clear and i'm like there's there is nothing wrong with this movie honestly uh like if you want a fun charlie's angels action film i think the only thing i would say about it is like if if you were comparing it to the ones with lucy lou drew barrymore those ones were a little funnier um like they just went out of their way to be a little bit more comedic than this is but i think that this one does the spy stuff with a good dash of humor that feels scene appropriate yeah, uh, cool. and i liked it a lot um i i highly I, I recommend that people watch it i'm sorry that i slept on it and didn't see it in theaters because I don't think that movie deserved to flop at all. Yeah. And I watched it with a bunch of friends because we were doing it on like a Discord call, mm -hmm. and uh, and everyone agreed like, yeah, this movie didn't deserve to to flop. This was this was much better than people were going around saying it was. Good. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I really enjoyed it, and you know, I, I know when we first did the when I first saw it, I said to you guys, I mean, do you just want to watch Kristen Stewart look hot and flirt with other women? Then that's your movie. Like, but honestly, I think the movie is pretty good, and it's and it's a shame that it bombs as badly as it did. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that um, Kristen Stewart's character has just enough there to to understand that she's a complex character, but they don't they don't hit you over the head with it without, and they don't they don't like try to dive into it when they know they don't have time. Mm -hmm. They just leave it on the table, um, and uh, I, I like that a lot. I also like that she's. I'm focusing on her, but like everybody's great. But Kristen Stewart, uh, because I think she gets an unwarranted amount of flack because of the Twilight movies. Mm. Uh, her and Pat, both of them. Her, her, her and Robert Pattinson, but I think that's going away now because of him being Batman. No, uh, not anymore. No, no, no. But I, I'm not. I don't mean like now, but I mean in the in the near future. Yeah. Everyone's gonna lay off. Um, but yeah. Kristen Stewart's done a lot of good work, as I'm going to mention again soon. Uh, that hasn't gotten the the recognition it deserves. Um, yeah. But Naomi Scott also coming from Aladdin is great. I forget the name of the third actress, who's also fantastic. She's also think, like new, isn't she? I think Elizabeth Banks is good in it, and I think Elizabeth Banks directing is good. Okay. And that's important because I have a little bit more faith in Invisible Woman now. Good. Because I was concerned because of the flopping numbers about Charlie's Angels. Okay, so that's just bullshit about people just not going and seeing it. She's good though. Her yeah. there's no flaw in the way she directs the action or the comedy. She got chops. Um, good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Talking about Kristen Stewart, I watched another movie with Megan this week called um, Seabird, which is an Amazon original film that just came out. I really want to see that. You should. You should definitely watch it. It's actually surprisingly more topical than I think they intended when they made the film for its release date now. Because um, it's what it's about is <clears throat> it takes place in the 70s. It's about Gene Seberg. Gene Seberg was a American actress who uh, became famous because of a uh, independent film she started doing in France. So she became an international uh, star on the independent scene, specifically for a film that I actually just saw this last semester called Breathless. That's oh, what yeah. made her famous. Um, that film is wild. Uh, now knowing all this stuff about that that person is, is crazy. Um, so she gets uh, very famous in France. And in America, there's a lot of people who consider her just like a a foreign film star, but she's gaining more popularity in America. Well, Gene Seberg had a strong passion for black rights and wanted to be part of the civil rights movement. So much so that she got involved with one of the radical leaders of the Black Panthers. And when I say involved, I both mean that she started funding them and she also started sleeping with him, even though he was married. Yeah. So the reason that that's problematic is that they use, uh, at this time, uh, our president Hoover was running 
the uh, I don't remember the name of the program, but he's he's running uh, the illegal investigation wire tapping of people who are Black Panthers and who are associated with the Black Panthers in order to build uh, uh, scandals to uh, take them out of power and plot against them. Wasn't and, that the FBI? And, yes, but this was but this was run by the president. Okay. It was a branch of the FBI, but the president mm -hmm. created the program. It was a specific program, uh, and you you can re you should read a lot about was it. People Nixon? have actually was it, was it 70s? You said Nixon was it Nixon? No, this was this was after Nixon. This okay. was Hoover. Okay. Um, uh, have... Wait, you're not talking about J. Edgar Hoover, right? He, right. Hold on, I'll pull it up. Yeah, he's the leader of the FBI. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, Hoover was yeah. never president. That was because uh, it was. It was Bush Senior was was the president of Nixon, right? No, 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 no. Bush was it? Bush came in the '80s. He was after Reagan. Um, I want to say it was. It wasn't. It was because it was Johnson, Nixon. I'm looking at the actual yeah. stuff now. Okay, so, uh, yes. Okay, so it is Hoover's program being run under the president, um, and it's it's called CoinTelPro. Um, it was an FBI surveillance program uh, that was used to target, uh, and harass Black Panthers and those associated with them. Um, the person who, uh, Gene Seberg became involved with was named Hakeem Jamal. Hakeem Jamal was, uh, a little even further into the radical zone, even for Black Panther. Um, but Gene Seberg wanted a way to actually make a difference and she thought it was very important. So she started like posing for pictures with the Black Panthers. She started funding them, uh, very openly. Well, uh, because of CoinTelPro, they found out about her affair with Hakeem Jamal. So they uh, they called Jamal's wife and played the audio of them sleeping together on the phone for her to hear. And uh, then they they created a fake scandal about Gene Seberg later being pregnant with his baby, even though they hadn't had relations in years. And uh, she started to catch on and thought that she was being tapped and listened to in her home and everything. And it drove her so mad that she overdosed on pills and ended up killing her baby. Uh, and uh, all of that happened. And it led that, uh, and the agent who was lead investigator on her to reveal to her that everything she feared was true because she ultimately left the States after that and only and lived out the rest of her life in Paris, which was short. Mm -hmm. She didn't live much longer. Um, and uh, her, and her death is suspicious, by the way. Uh, but they don't Good. go into that part of the movie. But but it is suspicious. Uh, but the agent reveals her that all of that is true, and that ultimately would uh, dovetail later into them busting into the offices and stealing the files, which revealed the whole program, which was very illegal to the public. Mm -hmm. um, super fascinating story. Kristen Stewart's fantastic in it. Uh, she plays Jean Seberg, and she's really really good. It's a really good serious role for her. Zazie Beetz is in it. She's she plays uh, okay. the wife of Hakeem Jamal. Okay. Hakeem Jamal is played by Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Oh man. Vince Vaughn right. is one of the uh, FBI investigators who's listening yeah. in to her. Sounds it's a fantastic good. cast. It's a really good movie. I love um, it. And it's awesome. like I said, surprisingly very topical for this moment, yeah. uh, in a way that they couldn't have anticipated. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff actually about. CoinTelPro going around about how other crimes were committed through that, you know, beyond just this one. So many things were done against the Black Panthers very illegally. Uh, and those kind of Twitter threads are out there right now because of what's going on in the movement. So worth your time. Check out uh, Seaberg. Um, I started watching some more of the CW shows, the DC superhero shows, but I haven't finished them. So I'm not caught up to the season finales of them. 
I finished watching Brand New Animal, which is that trigger anime that we've been watching. Um, so that anime was cool. It's got real flashy animation. Oh, no. In the very end of it, so obviously you can't do a, so there's beastmen and humans, and they the beastmen live on a place called Anima City, and it's because humans don't like them, so there's obviously race allegory to it and everything. And it turns out that the plot of the villain is to take advantage of a syndrome that exists in all beastmen that is basically just, if too many of them are in an area, it is in their nature that they turn into rage monsters and start killing other people. Oh boy! And we were waiting and holding our breath once that revealed waiting to for, the like, end the twist. for them to reveal that it was actually something they were putting in the water because uh, there were like clues that could have led to that, and it was put they were putting it in the water, and that's what was making it like that, and and that it's actually not something that's innately natural to them, and that doesn't happen. It is innately natural to them. They say that they are just they are by nature sad, and I'm like disappointing. It was really upsetting. Oh. We were all like, oh my god, this is so toned. And that happens in the last two episodes. And we're like, oh my god, this is so toned deaf. That makes me so sad. Yeah, it was It was a really, really everything big Everything you said sounded dope. And then, oops, we're yeah. actually racist. Yeah, oh. so I, I kind of can't, in good conscience, recommend Brand New Animal unless you want to specifically view some of that animation. And I can say the first six to seven episodes are really strong. And then it starts to dovetail because it doesn't really know, seem to know what it where it's going, and then it turns out where it's going is nowhere good. Um, <laughs> Yikes! And they and they introduce in the very last episode that the villain is actually pure blood beast man, and there's a difference between that and he looks down on others. And I'm like, why is this the concept? We oh my god, is this J.K. Rowling? Uh, so oh. anyway, that was a big bummer. <laughs> that was a big bummer. <laughs> I imagine uh so that that sucks i can i can also imagine because like you watch a show by yourself and you like by yourself realize oh this show's kind of bad but when a group of friends is collectively watching it from all over the place and you all realize oh my god what are we watching yeah, yeah. like that's so that's such a so experience. it happened because it's the second to last episode where that happens and that episode ended and we're like oh like you all i hope it? in the last episode they undo that and it's like well here we go and we watch the last episode we get to the end and we're like yikes you, wow! You all realize at a different point in the yeah. episode, and then you're all like, "Uh oh." Did yeah. We all see this. It was it was really unfortunate. Um, the last couple things I'll talk about is that I read a whole lot of Justice League and Aquaman because I read everything from what I read last week all the way up to the Throne of Atlantis stuff and finished Jeff Johns' Aquaman run for this week's. Definitely good. You read all that because it's definitely <laughs> critical to Throne of Atlantis. And I read everything uh, of on uh, Scott Snyder's Batman run up to the Night of the Owls, and Nightwing up to the Night of the Owls, and then all the tie-ins for Night of the Owls. And then I read nothing related to Batman Bat Blood because there's way too much that you'd have to read to even draw connections of what that's based we'll, on. We'll get into it. We'll get into uh, it a little bit more. But I was I was I was looking at it, I was like I was watching, I was like, this is just all of Morrison's Batman run crammed into one hour long movie. A decade of comics in like an hour and a half. That's that's yeah. what I that's what I gathered and I'm like I guess I'm just not reading anything for that one. Um, so that was that was an undertaking, though. I still enjoyed reading all those other comics, and that's basically my week. That's what I did. So I lied. I real quick pause. So when I bought Control on the Epic Game Store, uh, they give you a $10 coupon every time you spend over a certain amount of money, right? And Control's on sale a couple weeks ago, so I got that $10 coupon. So I bought Control's DLC, the season pass, uh, for $25 for $10 off, so $15. They gave me another $10. 
So I bought Predator Hunting Grounds because it was also on sale. Oh, you did it. I did buy it because it was on sale and I had a coupon. So I bought it for $20, a brand new game. Uh, it's only $40. It's a budget game. But um, I did play that game a couple 30, of 30 right now. It's 30 right now, yes. I had a $10 coupon. Um, I think if you go to the Epic Store, if you have a PC, everyone has a $10 coupon because of the quarantine. So you can get a game cheap. But anyway, that game is really fun um, if you have friends. <laughs> <laughs> By yourself. Uh, people don't like working together. Uh, you get killed by the predator real quick. I see the fun where it is, and when you do have a team that does work together, because uh, I don't want to talk to random people. That's just you know, I'd rather talk to my friends. Um, when there's a team that does work together, it is fun, and you can kill the predator and you can win. But sometimes you get people who are just like, I'm just playing my own game. I'm like, bro, this ain't Call of Duty. Yeah. This is a team game where every person counts, or you're dead. So a lot of the rounds were. Uh, I can see why you need friends. I hope everyone picks it up with it. And they 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 were the first predator property to get Schwarzenegger back. Yeah, and dude, it's it's actually really good. It's actually really good. He actually put the effort, and his voice acting is really good. And like all the lines are like, "Oh, we do need to get to the chopper." All the bullshits there that you want. Uh, it's 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 got a lot of fun fan service, and it is fun to play. Um, it is definitely one of those games where it's better with friends. Uh, was, but it's good. It was really funny to me watching the reveal trailer of Schwarzenegger. I was like, man, every Predator film since the first one has been trying to get him back, and the game did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i considering it. I'll try and talk to some friends about when doing it. It's cross-play with PS4 and PC, so buy it on your PC because it's going to look... That's all. That was my addendum. Ben, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, I didn't do a whole lot. After we were done recording the show yesterday, Fanny and I went and watched the end of Avatar The Last Airbender. That show, it's, it's still You awesome. guys recorded a show without me yesterday? No, last week. He said yesterday. Yesterday, I was just gonna let it slide. <laughs> no. Last week, once we were done, we finished at we, we watched all of Last Airbender, we finished it, it's done, and now she wants to watch Korra, which is awesome. And she's like, Well, what happens afterwards? Do like, do they ever find Zuko's mom? And I'm like, pointing her to my comic books that I have on my shelf. Comic books, yeah, I'm telling her that. Uh, let's see. So, besides that, um, I read some of my X Men books, not all of them, but um, every few nights I I would free, I would read some of my comic books to try and get my stack down. Tell me one of the things you read. Uh, X Men, uh, both my X Men issues, X Men nine and ten, and I finished um, Excalibur and issue ten of Marauders. Cool, the newest Marauders. The newest one, the, the newest one that came out. Yeah. Where, where Emma Cross straight up just says trans rights, baby, don't get mad. I mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I'm reading this on like I think it was Marauders when I was reading it. I was like, wow, this is pretty topical for today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Hickman was right. He should let his his work speak for itself. It's it's it, it, I, I will get into that when we talk about all the stuff later. But uh, the 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 X Twitter community failed Jonathan Hickman in that day, and I am one of those people. We should not tell people how they should support people because he has donated thousands and thousands of dollars of his own money. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so I got uh, Fantastic Four X-Men hmm. top of my stack that I'm going to try and uh, read later on. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday, I braved the crowds, and I went to Frankenstein's because they reopened. Mm, yeah, they reopened. Last- yep, I went to Frankenstein's, and there was – it actually wasn't bad. I-, I got there around, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, Blondie wanted to go with me because she was hunting down uh, Banjo-Kazooie. And, oh, nice. I- yeah, and I had a few uh, things that I wanted to get myself. So the line. So when we first got there, because Frankenstein's opens at nine o'clock on Saturdays, the line was around the building, but it wasn't too long of wait. It wasn't like um, 
you're like in there for like an hour or so. It's just what they're doing is they're staggering people to the inside. Like one group goes in and then they wait a, a, a little bit and then another group goes in and they wait and then another group goes in and so on and so forth. Yeah. And when you're inside Frankenstein's, there's like markers always like, please stay six feet across, uh, one-way aisles. And there's con- and they're constantly, even the, the people running the booths are like, hey guys, social distancing, try to try to keep six feet apart. Like obviously if they're, you're, with, you're with a group, like your group can stay together. But then it's like, hey, six feet apart, six feet apart. Let's let's try to keep the social distancing thing going on, and it was it was good. And I was like, hey, this is a like, everyone like if you didn't have a mask, they're not letting you in. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, it's it, more it, than a lot of stores are doing. So yeah, they they straight up say is like for your safety, we need you to wear a mask, or else or else because I didn't see anyone with. I mean, obviously, I would see people who would take their mask off for a hot second to take a sip of water or whatever they're drinking and then oh, put it right back on. So, so that was nice. Uh, what did I get? Oh, I got uh, the Blu-ray for Sonic the Hedgehog, the, D- the Blu-ray for the movie. Oh, oh yeah. I was like, oh. DVDs are still coming out. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, because I went to Target earlier this week, and they didn't, they didn't have the Blu-ray, only the DVD. But the cool thing about the Blu-ray is that it comes with a little comic book right here. Oh. Yeah, oh, and also, cool. the best part, the art is like 16-bit art. Yeah. Oh, that's wicked. Cool. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, it's, it's bit style recreation of this movie does the does it have a lot of extra features like are we going to be able to see the the forgotten sonic (laughs) i don't know i haven't watched it yet the sonic who shall not be named i don't know i have i haven't uh put so on in 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 the movie um the the christopher Plummer movie where he plays kevin spacey with the ridley scott film what was it called all the money in the world yeah uh so on the blu-ray of it they have a special feature and they're straight up. It's a special feature dedicated to the replacement of Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer. Dude, Ridley Scott is that much of like he's like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'm gonna make a feature of getting him out of my movie. I love and it. It's I just it's it. like I, I, I haven't seen it, but it's like I'm sure it's like a ten to thirty minute feature of just Ridley Scott bad mouthing Kevin Spacey. Um, and I, I love I, that. that dude is Ridley Scott is so vocal how much he like yeah like as soon as I found out I got him out of my movie. That movie came out in two weeks and I filmed that shit. I don't care. Yeah. He he, uh, yeah. I almost bought the movie for that special feature alone. Um, I've I've considered it many times, but I really want to know if the Sonic the Hedgehog special feature would have a, de- a a special feature dedicated to the outcry of that of that old Sonic. Uh, I I looked character. at the special feature list because I have the Blu-ray as well, and uh, no, uh, there's no special feature dedicated to that. There are some making deleted Sonic. scenes, like one that was released already of the baby Sonic thing, where you can see that it's still based in the old design, even if it's not finished. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's about as much as you get. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so, but besides Sonic, I also got myself a new uh, Game Boy Advance. And the reason why I was looking for this one is because this is a, a 101 model. It's not the original mo- It's not the original one. Because the reason why I wanted a 101 model is because this uh, Game Boy Advance SP has a true backlight. Because when, oh, when, yeah. when the original Game Boy Advances came out, the light was, and all of them were backlit. That was the thing. They all had backlights, or they all had lights to them. That was the big draw to the SP. But the light source came in from the bottom, so it would go from the bottom up. I mean, it still lit the screen, which is fine, but it, it, the colors didn't pop well. They, it wasn't a true backlit screen. And then Nintendo came out with the 101 models that fixed the issue. And I was playing one of my I was uh, I was playing one of the games I got last night because I also bought like three game, GBA games to go along with my new Game Boy Advance. One of those games being Fire Emblem and the Sacred Stones because I gotta get some old school GBA Fire Emblem games because I don't have any of those. And it is beautiful. 
that screen alone is just gorgeous. That's one of the best uh, handhelds they made is that SP version. Mm-hmm. I think it, that's like the precursor to like the DS. Like the like it, it is the precursor to the that DS. Yeah, is so sick. That was when I first got that. I was like, this is I'm never gonna need another device. This is mm-hmm. all I need. And best part, it's still backwards compatible with all Game Boy games, Game so, Boy regular uh, and Game Boy Color. Man, so, because you I mean, you're like the most gamer, not that you're not a gamer, you guys, but like you're yeah, the most yeah. gamer. Like the original Game Boys, do you remember they had these big ass contraptions that you attach onto the Game Boy and it had a magnifying glass and so, Okay, you guys know I so, bought that. Ryan, fun fact, this thing. Ryan, fun fact, my brother had one. Yeah. Like you, you did, like, no, I did it. That was my brother. My brother actually asked his, my parents for that for that magnifying glass. You open it up, the bigger the big speaker, so it's the louder sound. It was surround sound for your Game Boy. It wasn't good. It no, was I, not a good peripheral. I had every Game Boy from the advanced, no, from the color, mm-hmm. uh, to the second gen DS. That's when I stopped playing Game Boy. Okay. Do you guys remember the dumb? swirly attachment light for the Game Boy Color that barely did anything. Yeah. Oh, you mean the light that didn't light yeah, your screen up at all? It's yeah. to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got the 101, and actually, I because I had a Game Boy Advance already, but the, 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 the light in it was just awful. It was, like, gray. It, was, it wasn't good. So I was able to trade it across and, and pay off the distance because the guy was originally asking this for 100 bucks. I got him down to 65 with my trade-in. Shit, man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, these 101 models, they go for a hefty price. I saw some booths who were selling them for like 100, 150, depending on what they were because it's that true backlight screen. That's what gets them. That true, that true yeah. light. But besides that, the other game I got was uh, Golden Sun and also a little thing called Final Fantasy IV Advance. Nice. Which, which uh, apparently is one of the better ports of Final Fantasy IV, because I have Final Fantasy IV on, um, for my PlayStation, but a lot of people say that's not like the best port, and this is a really good port for it. And I'm actually happy to play this, because when this thing came out, it was originally known as Final Fantasy II in the United States for the Super Nintendo. Is even, even I knew that. Is oh, you Final did? Four on the Switch now? I know most of the I Final would, Fantasy I would now, assume, because right? no. most of the early ones are. No? No? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Because they did that whole, like, uh... <gasps> Mag, yeah, you right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Ma- Mag says, who can forget the Game Boy camera and printer? No and one can or, forget the Game uh, Boy camera. No one can forget I that. Like, massive upload of uh, a lot of the classic Final Fantasy games. And four's not on that list? I don't think so. Let me double check. Real quick, Brandon, do you have the Sega Micro Game Boy news? No, I forgot to put that one on. Oh, That's my bad. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm going to put that in. Oh, you mean the the Game Gear Micro? Which yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about it later. How awful yeah, yeah, we will, we will. So besides that, uh, th- that's what I got at Frank and Sons. I got Sonic, the Game Boy, and a bunch of games, and it makes me happy because I have a newer Game Boy, which I could play better in the dark, which makes me happy, and also some games I've been looking for. I didn't find the games I've been trying to find, which are the original Fire Emblem and Metroid uh, Fusion. Those are still hard to find, but once I do find them, I'm gonna grab them. And let's see, today is actually my dad's birthday. So I was able to FaceTime with my dad. and Today's uh, my brother's birthday. Oh, cool. Happy birthday to your brother. All birthdays matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was able to call up my dad uh, with my brother. We FaceTime and we had, a, we had a drink, a few drinks, and we had a good time. And then my brother and I were still playing Dark Souls. We didn't play any Dark Souls yesterday, um, but we did play some Dark Souls earlier today. You know, raise the sun. I'm still trying to fight through Doom, so I can once I beat Doom, I'll be able to um, get Trials of Mana. 
<laughs> yeah, if I don't beat Doom, I'm doomed. But once I get once I beat Doom, I can finally buy Trials of Mana because I'm still waiting patiently to get that game. And then, it'll, then awesome, it'll be on sale. Probably will. Probably will. But also, I want to get back into Fire Emblem because I have an idea for something I want to do with uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so besides that, I didn't do much. Uh, read the books, watched the movies, read the book club today, and that's that's pretty much it. I didn't have that very. I actually had a good week at work, though. That was nice. I had I worked at a in a position where I wasn't rushed. I didn't have a supervisor who drove me up a wall. Ben, was, were you wearing your essential employee pin? No, that's oh. at home. That ben, they're, oh, they're honoring you. They're honoring your service with a pin. Uh, <laughs> How much do you want to put that on right now? <laughs> Are you going to pay me to put it on? I'll. <laughs> we'll no. discuss payment after you put it on. <laughs> no, yeah. actually, I showed that to my uh, my dad, and my brother, and they thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, eh, okay. The coolest I mean, it... thing. Aww. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it is nice that they're they're saying like, hey, we are important because we are, but at the same time, it's like, it would have been nice to have hazard pay. No. Yep. Yep. No, Final Fantasy IV is not on the Switch. That's so weird. What is, what Final Fantasy? Because I know seven, eight, nine are. Ten I think seven. Yeah, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, twelve, and that's where they stop. Pretty much everything. I saw thirteen too. Uh, pretty much everything post. Mm-hmm, uh, everything post seven is on wow. Switch moment, but not one through five. Weird. I didn't see six either. That's so weird. Well, the thing about oh man, the thing about Square Enix is that they were releasing all their older Final Fantasy games for back in the day for the in the, like the early two thousands, like to get the numbers right. Um, they released four, five, and six for the Game Boy as Final Fantasy number advance because they released Final Fantasy one and two as Dawn of Souls. Three never came out until it came yeah, out on the DS years later. It's all messed up. Well, of course, when Final Fantasy came to the United States, they didn't know how we were going to react to it. So they're like, hey, let's hold off on taking Final Fantasy 2 and 3. And then when 4 did come to the U.S., it was Final Fantasy 2. And then R6, is or R3, was really Final Fantasy 6. And then when 7 came out, that's when the numbers just went... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just a long process of America not having faith in foreign products. And then and then Resident Evil is in America, and then Biohazard is in Japan. And it takes up to Resident Evil 7 to finally combine them, whereas Resident Evil colon Biohazard and Biohazard colon Resident Evil. So we're finally at the point where everything's together. It only yeah. took 25 years. Yeah, but it would be nice to get Final Fantasies 1 through 6 on the Switch eventually. Even like HD versions, not the, not the mobile ones, not the mobile ports. No one likes the mobile ports. They don't? No, not a lot of people like this. Uh, not the port for 6, I know that. I think uh, 4 and 5 are okay. But six, a lot of people are kind of eh, on. I mean, to be fair, thinking of like use an RPG, like controlling it on my phone, like I don't want to play a hundred-hour game on my phone ever, ever. True. I don't want to do that. That seems awful. Yeah, but yeah, that's my week. Not much. Okay. Uh, so I will. By the way, uh, we're still selling masks, um, FMP masks. They are out in the wild. Um, ben, yours is on the way. No, mine came in. I wore it oh, yesterday. There you go. I totally forgot to take a picture about it. You should take a picture and send it to me. Um, I, totally, I totally forgot to do it when I was at Frankenstein's yesterday. I, my fault. I'm sorry. I don't care. The link for when at Frankenstein's, so people saw my face mask. So yeah. The 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 link where you can get them is in the description. Crafted by Z is making them Fakner podcast masks. They are being made on demand uh, for twelve dollars. So so not too bad. 
Um, other than that, let's see. I forgot to mention two things about my Justice League action walkthrough, uh, watch through last week uh, that I wanted to bring up here. There is an episode where a villain comes from Booster Gold's timeline, and it's assumed that that villain is his is the stood up lady that he stood up at the altar, but it is actually his wife because he did get successful and go back to the future to marry her. But being married to Booster Gold drove her to become a to become a villain and travel back in time to kill him. That sounds really cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. really, that's an original character. Yes, that sounds so, really cool. So Booster Gold got successful, went to the future, got married, and then his wife. So he drove his wife so insane that she became a supervillain, and then she goes back in time to kill her husband before yes. he married. She's reverse Flash, but with sex. She, and so and so. I wrote I wrote down. I was like, you know what, Booster Gold's uh, ex wife. Not a bad villain origin story. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, like, he never goes back to visit her. She's just alone, and she's going crazy. And like, I gotta end this! No, it, no. so it's, it's not that. It, it's it's So they were at the altar. They were get, about to get married, and uh, this person was really rich, and Booster Gold wasn't. So Booster Gold was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna real quickly be right back. So he leaves in the middle of the wedding, goes back in time, does all of his adventures in the, in the past, becomes rich, becomes a millionaire, goes back to the future, and marries her. But what we are led to believe in the in the in the episode is that he never he never became successful, so he never went back to the future to marry her, and that's why she's upset because he stood her up on the altar. But it was actually that he did become successful and marry her and became insufferable while while it happened. Is this on DC Universe? This is on Hulu. <laughs> why is it on DC Universe? What the what kind of streaming service are you doing? Or HBO Brothers? Max. That's not on either. That's like yeah. I have some things to say about that later. There's another episode where Booster Gold has a tour in uh, in the Hall of Justice and Granny Goodness, Toy Man and uh, Joker, which we later find out, is uh, is on the tour disguised. There's this like really beautiful blonde lady. And everyone's revealed to be a villain, and the and the whole thing is like, oh, Booster Gold didn't recognize Granny Goodness a toy man because he's inept. Um, but they wanted to do it to take over the, the Hall of Justice. And then Joker's revealed to be the beautiful lady, and he's just like, I'm just here for the tour. Yeah. And so they help, they help fight off the villain, the 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 villain of the episode. And then Batman's getting ready to take Joker to jail, and Joker's like, him. And Booster's like, oh, Joker actually didn't do anything wrong because uh, he's just there for the tour. I said on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna watch. A, I'm gonna watch some of it this week. For sure. And I, I, I then I watch some of it tonight. Um. So yeah, you can watch it on Hulu. But the Justice League action shorts, which I watched this week, uh, are on YouTube for DC on the DC Kids account. Um. They're just quick two minute short shorts set in the D, in the Justice League action universe. Um. That's where the uh, Mark Hamill episode comes in, where Joker and Trickster takes uh kidnaps Mark Hamill and Swamp Thing saves him? Yes. I do want to say real quick, if you are a person, I know most of you aren't, but if you are a person who has access to Cartoon Network through some kind of cable provider or satellite provider or whatever have you, you can unlock the Cartoon Network app. Uh, that gives you all the episodes for Justice League action and those Justice League shorts, things like that, other cartoons, uh, if you're a person who has that, just so you know. Um, but yeah, I found I found those shorts to be really good. But that show is that show is awesome, and it is a crime that show is not still on the air right now. It's a crime. Why, 
why do you think that show isn't as successful as it was? What do you think it is? Well, we talked about it with uh, one of the writers on the show, my uh, uh, my friend Shannon. Oh, he yeah, talked, yeah. He talked about how just Warner Brothers didn't want it. Okay. It's like the marketing, like they didn't, they didn't show it to the world. Yeah. Yeah. They um, were just like, they just, we don't want it. If I were to extrapolate a little further, I suspect that Warner Brothers was hoping it would launch better merchandise profits. And at the I time, that's their whole thing. And I don't yeah. think it did. That was the yeah. whole thing. That's why they canceled Green Lantern and Young Justice. Because they were selling a lot. I remember when it first launched, they wanted to sell a lot of Justice League action toys. I think they created a Wave 1, and those like almost none of those designs sold, because unless you were a fan of the show, you weren't buying those designs, even though I think those designs are cool. Mm -hmm. um, to be fair, I don't think that a lot of the figures that they made for it for look good. as good as they should mm -hmm. uh, to uh, pay credit to the art design that the show mm -hmm. has. Um, so I think that's a big reason why. Yeah. Yes, a little uh, anecdote to add on that. Uh, years ago, I met uh, Greg Weissman at uh, Long Beach Comic Con. He was the yeah. guy, he was one of the creators and producers for Young Justice. And he, we asked him, "Is like, hey, Young Justice season three? How come that hasn't happened?" He's like, "We didn't sell enough toys. Most of our, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, because everyone was that was no, the show. That was the um, that was the reason why Green Lantern the animated series was canceled is because the mm -hmm. merchandise wasn't selling well. Yeah. You know, the, these these cartoons, like if you don't sell the merchandise, you're you're sunk. Yeah, if they don't sell toys, you're you're done for. It doesn't matter how critically acclaimed the show is. Doesn't matter how many people love the show, how many fans it has. If it's not making toy toy money, wanna, especially as a kid show, you're screwed. This is, yeah, this is part of like Adventure Time is obviously a fantastic show, but a big thing that helps is that a lot of people wanted to buy merch from that show. Oh yeah, and even Universe sits in a similar. Place. I want to Jake the dog. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of those shows they sit in similar places where um, the Cartoon Network, even though they have fantastic shows, a lot of them have ended up uh, getting. We Bear Bears is lucky. We've talked about We Bear Bears recently. They get a lot of merch purchases. You know what? Um. Talking about DC merchandise real quick, uh, we're, we all go to the toy section when we go shopping. I know we all do, right? Okay, yeah. If you look at the Marvel section- I feel attacked. No, you, you don't? <laughs> no, just kidding. No, it's like, like, of course, like, it's like, that's a good thing, like, because we want to see, like, what the kids are getting, right? The mm -hmm. Marvel collection always has- Yeah, that's why. It, the Marvel stuff has stuff from the movies, it has stuff from the comics, it has so much shit. Then DC's, it's like scattershot. Like, it's a random, like, DC Unlimited Clayface figure. And I'm just like, they don't, Marvel and DC so compared that, to marketing are so different. So that's why, so one of the biggest reasons is because, uh, who owns the Marvel, was it, is it Mattel? Hasbro? It's Hasbro, you're right, it's yeah. Hasbro. Um, Legends, Legends Marvel's, Marvel's whole uh, merchandising is run through a legitimate toy company in Hasbro. DC's was owned exclusively by DC Collectibles, and now it's owned by McFarlane Toys. So maybe we'll see oh. more variety there. But more expensive because like they're a little more high end, yes. so they're doing lower scale stuff. But man, I go to Walmart or Target and I see I see a, a Mr. Fantastic figure and a Boom Boom from the X Men figure on the walls, and I'm like, and then I just see just Batman, 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 Batman. I'm like, man, these are totally different markets. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's like I'm not choosing sides, but I'm like, man, like Marvel's really letting their sealess characters be in on a Walmart shelf. I love it. Even Marvel, a, Marvel has always been a wizard with with toy marketing. Like Secret Wars launched a toy line. Like that was cr that was crazy in the eighties. Yeah, oh, even yeah. when I was at Frankenstein's on Saturday, I was looking at through the, some of the toy aisles and the Marvel toys. Everyone was different. No two toys were the same. Whereas I look over at the the, the their DC side, Batman, Batman, Batman. Hey, oh, Superman, Batman, 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 Batman. Hey, uh, Batman villain, Batman, Batman, Batman. It's it like, like we um, Marvel has their legends and DC has their equivalent. Like I have, I have a bunch of the both. multiverse. 
the multiverse, but it just seems like Marvel just is dominating like the toy front on such just such a massive scale compared to DC. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really got to get that Cosmic Ghost Rider Marvel figure. Oh, hot dog! Hell yeah. Have you seen it? it it's got yeah. the bike and everything. Like that's it's awesome. I have a Ghost Rider that has a bike, and I'm always a fan of like, yo, give me lots of accessories. I love. Yeah. It. Give me the bike. Um, yeah, I saw a. Uh, actually figure that i really want thought about getting us on saturday but i didn't because space and also other stuff but it was a cyborg superman figure from the 90s like it was modeled after the character after hank henshaw in the 90s like when rain is superman and i'm yeah i love love cyborg superman i love cyborg i think he was like a badass villain i just also like his design yeah um okay speaking of uh sci-fi i guess i don't know what we talk about sci-fi whatever sure. um space force i've complete i've started and wa- and finished space force this week this is the yeah. netflix original series uh steve Carell. how is it brandon yeah it's pretty fine <laughs> that's every every person i've heard talk about it saying yeah it's fine every single person and and here's the thing and the reason why i wanted to touch on it is because uh I really like the characters. I think the characters are really engaging and fun. I really like every actor in that in that in that show. Uh, the did you guys ever see Ma? No. Or I haven't. or Booksmart. Booksmart, yeah. Um, the 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 tall brunette girl who's not a main character but is the love interest of it, one of the main characters. Yeah. Uh, she's in it. She's she's Steve Carell's daughter, and she's a new actress and she's wonderful, and I really like her. She was also in Ma. Um, but John Malkovich is so damn good. That I feel like he came to the wrong set. He's the reason why I want to watch it. I love that guy. Like he is like, and here's the thing. I like the characters. I like the acting. Everyone's pretty good. John Malkovich is a revelation. So he's so I, good. As someone who hasn't seen it, I have seen the one of the big complaints is this was pitched as a big like space com like space force comedy, but there's a lot more drama than was than was uh, marketed towards us. Is that true? Yeah, I would say that. But one of the things is. Um, Maybe not so much a drama, but as so much as they just kind of miss the mark with a lot of their jokes. Oh, really? Dang. Yeah, they don't really land as well as they probably should. There are funny actors delivering some funny lines, but the it's not the laugh a minute that the trailers promised us. That's a shame. Like all the good stuffs in the trailers. Yeah, uh, but again, I I recommend it for the characters alone because there's there's a there's a coupling which I I, I really liked, uh, and then again, John Malkovich is so good. I, I again like I all the actors in there I love all of them like I really yeah. want to like Ben Schwartz like Sonic like I love that guy as an improv comedic actor especially after watching uh, Middle Vision Schwartz but I'm like oh man yeah. I really wanted this to be good I, really I think did. there's room to grow um, yeah. but but I think the I, going to your drama bit like I do think the fear is the only place to go is making the next season a family drama oh god yeah so it reminds me, did you guys ever see the Robin Williams comedy Man of the Year where he was running for president? Yes. And it turned out to be super dramatic and like there was like an assassination attempt at the end. I'm like, this is not the movie I thought it was or I wanted. Like yeah. that's what I got the feeling of what the show was after I heard the reviews. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh. um, uh, but I'll, I I started I started and almost finished. I'm one episode away from finishing Santa Clarita Diet. Oh man, we gotta, watch that. We gotta watch that third season. <laughs> oh yeah. How great is Timothy Oliphant, man? Uh Timothy Oliphant is the only reason why I'm still watching the show, I'll be honest. Like, not to yeah, say that Drew Barrymore. You don't want Alan Tudyk playing a weird puppeteered head of Nathan Fillion in the third season? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's wild, but it's not as much as you'd think. Um, yeah. But uh, but Timothy Oliphant, from the get-go, is so good at playing a, a guy who is this close from breaking down completely. 
Yes. He's so, <laughs> he's so chill, dude. Constantly and constantly like tipping over the edge and pulling himself back. Yeah. And he is <laughs> he's so good in that show. We have both watched the first two seasons, but we have yet to watch the final season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's so good on that show. And what's so funny to me is Timothy Oliphant, uh, after watching a bunch of interviews, this is the character he's most like. He is yeah. not a hard ass. He's not a detective. He is such a chill California bro. He wears some like flip flops. And I'm like, you never would have thought that without knowing who he is. And I'm like, oh man, he, knowing who he is, this is such a good character for him. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and like they, they, they often make jokes about how hot he is because like, Holy shit. Um, he pulls off the gray hair so good. Silver Fox. No, yeah. if Fanny would be watching that show. I would come home from work sometimes and she'd be in the middle of an episode and I'd just watch it with her. I'm like, man, I really need to get on the show. This show looks great. And I just never sat down and watched it all the way through by myself. It's got that crazy, weird, like that balance of weird tone that I really appreciate. When you there, do are, well, there are many... There are many times when I'm I'm making weird noises watching this because of how because of the imagery in it and especially in season three I made a noise my body's never made before. Um, Jesus, did you, did you just start it this week? And yeah, okay, that first episode when he finds her in the room with everything everywhere, <laughs> I, and I was like, man, this show is a lot. It's a, it's yeah. a good first episode. Yes. Yeah, it it sets you exactly for like, oh, this is what I'm getting into. And uh, Joel McHale is in the second season. Chris and Christy. And Christopher is their son. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember those guys. I, I saw an episode like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, again, is so good. And we're one episode away from finishing, so tonight we'll be done with it. If, if uh, you're a fan of Timothy Oliphant, I cannot recommend highly enough. Just oh, God. Five. I remember this one scene where I think their daughter – goes in to open up the freezer for strawberry or something and she sees a dead body and she's and she's like we're out of strawberries like very frantic oh, because there because there's someone there yeah because there's like a dead body in the freezer so Timothy Olyphant goes and opens it up he's like yeah we're out of strawberries don't go in there yeah yeah Timothy Olyphant again just playing a guy who's this close to falling off the edge completely is so good um yeah. but uh, this morning, I, I got in one more thing, one more DC animated film because you know we did the three. Uh, I decided to sit down and rewatch Batman Gotham by Gaslight because mm-hmm. I have been, I've been really, I've been enjoying going through these DC animated films and I'm kind of getting on a kick, so I'm watching a lot of them. And because I'm enjoying the DC animated movie films that were, were the universe films that we're going through, uh, for the most part, I realized that you know. Right now, watching them, I've expunged a lot of my biases towards them when I first saw a lot of these. Me too, buddy. And uh, watching, so watching those others, maybe I was too harsh on 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 a couple. So I rewatched Gotham by Gaslight, and yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought I was so hung up on the sex scene, on the implied sex scene of Selena Kyle and Bruce and Bruce Wayne because uh, of what happened with Killing Joke, that I didn't even like give it a chance. I felt like. Uh, but having expunged that, like I've, I found myself enjoying it. Bruce Greenwood is Batman, and he is the second best Batman. You can fight me on that. Um, I also, I want to, I want to say, I do think that the, the sexual uh, context is completely different than Killing yes. Joke. Yes. So it makes more sense in Gotham by Gaslight, whereas Killing Joke, it is an, it is, it is fundamentally different than that comic in every single way. Yeah, um, and they've added stuff to Gotham by Gaslight from the sequel book. Uh, for the to pad the movie, but um, so yeah, so Bruce Greenwood is 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 Batman, and he's great as always. Um, well, he's only done it three times, but he's great in those three times. Um, and uh, Jennifer Connelly is is Catwoman. She was Sonya Blade in the Mortal Kombat film that we, and Scott Patterson 
from Gilmore Girls. He's the, he's the main lead in Gilmore Girls is Gordon. And he's great. And I kind of wish he could have played Gordon in live action at some point. Because I thought I think he pulls it off really well. Wow. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I found myself en enjoying it a lot more than I did the first time I saw it. I like it. I, I've only seen it that once, but I, I liked it when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Shall we get into our news? Bing, bing, baby. Like, All right. It's a, this uh, is a week of bread and butter. And here's your bread and your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Okay. Okay. Not in my ear. Thank you. We went to we went a little long in our in our in our opening. Real heavy, super heavy. Okay, so let's get right into it. Uh, not a lot happened this week because you know with everything going on in the country. Uh, rightfully so, the news agencies decided to pull back. Um, so we would have been talking about PlayStation Five announcements, new games, spec stuff, but they were PlayStation was dope and saying more. Uh, let the let more important people talk. Um, IGN, GameSpot, Call of Duty, every big game has put up something in their game saying, hey, Black Lives Matter, uh, our people are struggling, our community is struggling, and it's just so nice to see all the racists come out of the woodwork and say, I'm not buying video games ever again. Just just touching on that, it is really cool to see so many companies be like, now is the moment to let those people speak. Now is not a moment for us to be saying anything, and they've been doing that. It's been quite a week of so, that yeah we're gonna it, talk about and PlayStation it has made stuff. it harshly obvious for yeah. the companies that aren't <laughs> facebook uh <so laughs> we'll talk about playstation 5 a lot next week darren like probably guaranteed yeah yo um, i'll be buying ben and jerry's ice cream for the rest of my life <laughs> another important thing just real quick uh if you if you are on the twitter and you're seeing uh on the twitter and you're seeing all these kind of conversations about uh you know like uh places companies that are making these uh statements Broadway theaters, for example, or uh, game companies, comic companies, studios, pay attention to the black creative voices who are saying, uh, hold on, let's talk about how you've handled black creative voices in the past. Yeah. And that's really important. And the more attention we can draw to that is really great because we shouldn't just be like, oh, because they're saying it now, it's awesome. Uh, we also should be doing our due diligence to say, yes, but how have you handled black voices before? How are you going to handle it going forward? Are things going to change? Uh, I know in particular, there's a lot coming down on the theater owner where Hamilton and Six were being performed in Broadway. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, just off Broadway before they moved up onto the main stages. Um, they have a long history of racist practices, even though Hamilton and Six ended up on those stages. That's a problem. Uh, yes, it's a big problem. There's a lot of conversation going on around that. So pay attention to these kind of things. Okay. Um, moving moving into uh, uh, the proper news. Um, in, uh, in DC News, DC dropped a couple bombshells this week. We started hearing a little bit uh, about, the, about the casting of uh, Batwoman in the next season of Batwoman. Um, this was confirmed today, actually, before we recorded, uh, she released an interview where she was saying like, that was you know, Greg Berlanti's idea, but what they are going to do instead of recasting Kate Kane, Ruby Rose, uh, they are going to create a new character who will take on the mantle of Batwoman in the second season. Uh, it's by the name of Ryan Wilder. Yeah. Uh, this... Ryan is such a good name. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. This could be a placeholder name. But this is this is what it is. Um, the casting call. I'll just read the casting call that was posted on on that was posted on Reddit before it was taken down and then again confirmed. Uh, the casting call that we saw, and again, 
Uh, female mid to, mid to late 20s, any ethnicity. She's likable, messy, a little goofy and untamed. She's also nothing like Kate Kane, the woman who wore the bat suit before her. Uh, with no one in her life to keep her on track, Ryan spent years as a drug runner, dodging the GCPD and masking her pain with bad habits. A girl who would steal milk for an alley cat could also kill you with her bare hands. Ryan is the most dangerous type of fighter, highly skilled and wildly undisciplined, an out lesbian, athletic, raw, passionate, fallible, and very much not your atypical all-American hero. Okay. So this is a choice. Okay, so I asked the question in the group chat because this is a, for the, the people creating the show, they're in a wildly difficult position. Yes. Do you recast Kate Kane? Do uh, you recast Ruby Rose as the same character? This has happened, you know, in movies, television shows before. It's happened in the DC it's happened, CW universe. Yes. They have recast minor characters. Nobody's yes. this big, no. but it's happened. Or do you get a new character that... Katie Lots, anybody? Sorry. No, 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 no. Like, do you, do you get a new character that is tied to the universe that's already been established that can pick up the mantle in your friend's stead? That's what you should do. But what they're doing is straight up creating a brand new character that doesn't appear to be tied to any of the characters pre-established. So this is a random character coming into this, just taking the mantle because they can. Well, to, to answer your to answer your question here, um, they honestly should have just recast Kate Kane. Yeah. Yes. That's the answer. So here's the thing: it, the show is very. Having watched most of the season, uh, the show is very much built around the relationships in Kate's life. It's her relationship with Luke, who she knows because they have an attachment through Bruce. It's her relationship to her uh, stepsister. It's her, she's a major character. And their whole thing is based around the fact that they are stepsisters. It's her relationship to a member of the Crows because they have a romantic history. That's one of our other leading ladies in the show. It's her relationship to her father, who's the head of the Crows, and her relationship to the villain, which remains unresolved because the season did not finish its story. So her twin sister is still out there as Beth being Alice, and that's unresolved, and that's still steeped in there. Like, the whole show is built around her relationships. Personal relationships. And now we're going to go forward with some stranger? That makes zero sense. It's a disservice to the storytelling of literally every other actor on this show that their characters have to be altered to somehow accommodate this in a forced way when they have an established rapport with Kate. And I also kind of have a problem with the casting listing saying any ethnicity, make a choice. If you're making a character, make a choice and write specifically for that choice. Yeah. Don't just be like, well, let's see what sticks and then we'll, we'll work from there. If you're making new characters like that, you should be having that be a part of their identity, not yeah. just saying whatever works. And it, it's on, on kind of like a personal level, I do really like the character of Kate Kane uh, just in general. Um, yeah. And I was like, you know, this is so, this is so Kate. No, this is so, so like this character to have this trouble. She, her ongoing series never lasts long. Uh, she's had two with a stint in Detective Comics, uh, including making it a third. Uh, which that ended because of the, of the new 52, only like 15 issues. The second run ended because the writer couldn't marry them. So, she, so he, so he just left. Uh, so in that a, series, and that's a beautiful comic. That one is man. the James. Yeah, gorgeous. 
gorgeous comic. Um, that's the that's the new fifty two run. Uh, and then she had a quick run after Detective Comics and the and Rebirth, that which that that introduced the Crows. Uh, and so like nothing ever lasts for her. And now this, she's just getting replaced with the legacy character before she's ever had any time to shine. Can I, can I, I think it's very early to say this, but we might just be looking down the barrel of the first of these Arrowverse shows to get canceled because Mm -hmm. I have very little faith that the audience that Batwoman did draw that wasn't based off of liking her comic character and got attached to these characters are going to be on board with throwing some random person in to create attachments to these characters when they were following a story they were already invested in and was unfinished. I don't anticipate that a lot of people are going to be like, man, there's like eight CW shows on this. (laughs) I know it's a different number, but there's so many CW DC shows, especially with them adding Superman and Lois. If you are keeping up with all of them, why would you keep keeping up with Batwoman if you feel like it's not got the content you're interested in anymore? And it, it kind of like changes the relationships of the greater Arrow universe, also with yeah. the Arrowverse. Her relationship with Supergirl was a big deal going in, going out, of, coming out of Crisis, and now that's just gone. Right. It's so yeah. much. It's also go ahead, Ben. You haven't said much. Go ahead. Didn't Batwoman also have like at the end of the of Crisis on Infinite Earth? Doesn't she have a seat on the Justice League essentially? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But now Aren't they going to just bring, bring this brand and say, oh, yeah, I guess you're a bad woman, so here's your seat on the Justice League. No, he can't earn that seat on the Justice League, damn it. It is so much more work as a storyteller to bring in this random character to now have to find a way that her story matters to every single other plot point in the show. And I haven't seen the show, but there's multiple plot points with family and stuff that deal directly with Kate and Kate's dad. And it just, it, it boggles my mind that this is the And Kate, Kate is Bruce Wayne's cousin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I cannot picture a version of the show as it has been up to this point where people who aren't attached, like it's not even about being attached to the comics because they're creating a character that doesn't exist in the comics. So like where people are going to be invested going forward in the same show, it's not the same show. It's just not the same show. It's going to be a shell of the show that it's been. Yeah. This is This is a bad idea. I, as you try to like warp the, as you try to warp the continuity to to match this new character, warp whatever stories you had in development for season two, somehow end the storyline of season two with without Kate Kane. Yeah, somehow resolve the triangle relationship of her father as the head of the crows and her sister as the the villain of Gotham of the moment, and uh, her not be there. Yeah. I mean, how they? How do they come up with the idea of this and not just recasting Ruby Rose? Don't know. Apparently, it was Greg Berlanti's idea. So how does a random? How does a? This is baffling. How does how is the story gonna even work? Like, is Luke gonna see a random girl on the street like protect herself against a thug and going, "That's Batwoman"? Like, how do you naturally? Here's what. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Uh, you just reminded me that Luke Fox is in the show. Batwoman, no more. Batwing show. That would be great, but that's not what this is. But they want, but they want Batwoman. The, they want the a female lead yeah. on the show, and they want that that LGBT stuff, which is which is good. Good, that's great. But um, what also does this mean for Kate? She dead. She must be <laughs> go where Bruce is. Yeah, did she get kidnapped by Talia for some reason? Oh, here's another idea. Uh, you cast Renee Montoya, the Question Show. But the problem that see, Brandon, that's great. I would love a question. I would love all the characters, but they casted a Kate Kane Batwoman show, and after one I season, know. they're yeah. it's a, the the big the see. You know what? If they finish the season, I don't think this is as big of a deal. It I still agree. sucks. 
if the show weren't still so steep, if we were a, even another season down the road where we've established some other things about Gotham, but this yeah. is so still entrenched in Kate's life, it's literally going to be a different show, and I don't know that the audience is going to follow you. So make, it, make it her girlfriend. I'll follow you. We don't have a season finale, right? Because it ends no, early. No. So that means this the first season is going to end with a different character with the mantle. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. That How can that be good? How can Honestly... You could you could also make it one of her girlfriends, but uh, you know her her girlfriend the the I forgot the actress's name. Literally anybody she that becomes Batwoman. Anybody that has ties to her that's an established character because bringing in this yeah. character that has not been there, what they're gonna do is just say, oh, she's been there in the back the whole time and you never saw her or some bullshit. They're gonna do some really shitty way to incorporate her into all of Batwoman's mythology somehow. Yeah. Because like, ugh, this is so bad news. This is yeah. so bad. Um, that's a okay. good thing. That's the only bad DC news this week. Thank God. Well, Ryan, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, see, you, we're all familiar with Diamond Comics distribu- distributors. They are the sole, the origi- originally the sole uh, distributor They're for comic books. Fun fact: when I um, took my, mo- I was, if I'm, if I may, when I took my mom to the comic book store last week to get my comic books, we, I was talking to the guy running the store at the time. He was talking about Diamond, and he had two one hundred dollar books, like two variant covers that were worth a hundred bucks each. Both of them bent and destroyed to high heaven because of Diamond. Look, I want to be clear. Ryan and I, we both worked at a comic book store. Uh, Diamond's not great. Diamond's got a lot of problems. Diamond is a monopoly, even though the government won't say it is. Um, However, however, maybe you don't do this. DC Comics this week said that effective immediately, they are ending their 25-year-long relationship, exclusive relationship with Diamond. Uh, and are go- are going to only be distributing through their new services, UCS uh, distribution and Luna distribution. Uh, and their graphic novels will be available through Penguin Random House, which, fun fact, owns Dark Horse. So, so looking into this a little bit, um, there's been a lot of articles coming out because this is bad. This is right for for right this very second. This is really bad news for for comic book uh, uh, stores. Yes. Seriously, this is gonna fuck shit up really bad at a bad yeah. time at a, at a bad time it, in the long run yes this is a good thing we need to figure out a way that to to get out of diamond's shadow but what they did just cut it off at the, at the well, end is bad so talk about so talk about two of your points um the a lot of retail stores who don't like this idea and even people who like the new distributors the idea of the new distributors are kind of like if we had the time this would have been better but we didn't. You, they are now. DC is giving ever is giving retailers a week, only a week oh, to order. Serious? Yes, to We're order. To the right, has given retailers only a week to sign up with these new distributors and uh, and uh, put in their orders for comics. And so now your other point about Diamond being a monopoly, this doesn't fix that. This is what these are two new companies that are set up to distribute only one company's worth of comics. If this were if this were in fact fighting the monopoly, UCS and Lunar would be able to distribute Marvel, Boom, Image, all of them, and yeah. would be able to come to the retailers uh, with a competitive price to Diamond. That is not this. This is D- DC saying now you have to now you have to have accounts with both, doubling your cost, and removing uh, a significant discount from Diamond because now you're ordering less from Diamond. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Um, and let's and, and oh. like we do not know, we don't know how much this is actually DC Comics and how much this is AT and T. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Right. 
That's true. Which, um, which, which sucks. I gotta be honest. Because I don't really believe that DC would do this. Comics would just go, I do this right now. I gotta be honest, I thought it would be Marvel who did this kind of bullshit first. I really did. I thought, yeah. they, I didn't think it would be DC. I really didn't. Just, DC I, has been... DC has been trying to, and uh, you know what? Even if they wanted to set up their own distributor, look, Marvel did it in the '90s. Go ahead, sink that money. But if, that's how they got bankrupt. Right. So, but if you, if you wanna if you wanna do it, you give the retailers time. Yeah. And not during a pandemic, where most shops are closed are still closed anyway. Yeah. Um, this makes. What does me this mean for Free Comic Book Day? What free comic book day? Uh, this makes me think that like things behind the scenes at DC are are way worse than what we might think. Because like I don't think they would do this unless there were some serious like complications or like people are fighting upstairs on what yeah. to do. Because this, this is such a big move. This yeah, is like they they claim oh. it's a yeah they claim it's a it's been a long time coming that they've been and Diamond even said like you know a couple of months ago when they renewed their contract they put in a clause saying that they could leave at any time. Yeah. Uh, so you, like DC has been yeah. planning this. What'd you say, yeah. right? I was like, you wouldn't think that, like, when you put that kind of clause in, you wouldn't think it would happen so soon, though. Yeah. Like, even you know, Diamond was like, Diamond was like, yeah, we just found out today, too. You told your previous distributor on the same day that you told everyone else? Yeah. Uh, and to remind everyone, these two new distribution companies are set up by large comic book retailers. Comic book, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, 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 what is it? My, Midtown. Uh, Midtown. Thank it's, you. It's Midtown, Midtown and UCBS uh, uh, Comics. Uh, which is, to be fair, an online store, but yeah. But it, it again, using a like actual comic book store, it's a huge store. But using a store instead of a distribution center, like this, just seems like bad news written all over. Like I just, I can't see how this can help anyone in, in, the, in the short term or long term, especially in yeah. the pandemic when half the people can't get their comics. Yeah. How, yeah. Exactly. How did they make the decision? Like I, I, I can't imagine this was a un, unified decision. I well, can't. this is this, this was. It, in my opinion, I feel like it's AT and T who don't get it. You don't. Oh, sorry. Something I brought up at the very beginning. So yeah, the, um, the tr DC sells trades to Penguin, right? And they get it to like Barnes and Noble and online places. They don't need comic book stores. This is this is maybe not a show of force from DC, but from uh, AT and T. They don't care about comic book stores. And and this is like a this is like a one of the final nails in the head. Where like this could really end some comic book stores the way this is going. We've. Absolutely. Uh, we've talked about it before and my, a lot of people, there's a lot of, there's a large contingent online that disagree with this, but I truly believe that having worked in the industry, I don't think single issues are going to disappear for digital. I think single issues are going to disappear for a primarily trade paperback market because they I, can get to more places. It. Yeah. And I don't hate that idea. No. If it works, I'll, if it I'll works, be fair. I don't. If it works for the publisher, like whatever works best for them, because single issues are obviously really expensive to get out. Like, it's 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 too much money. Like it, yeah. comics should be even more expensive than they are. Like we're lucky that they haven't raised it more, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. I think I think you're I think you're right that that if if that is indeed the move that AT and T wants to be like, hey, we don't need to put keep putting out single issues, and this is that step. It's it's such it is it is a is it is a force of show in a way because our stores just go, if stores don't want this, they're not going to sell DC comics. How can a store survive without selling one of the largest comic book re uh, companies in the world? Yeah. You, so you are forcing them. Yeah. At this at this moment, you kind of gotta hope that you gotta hope that like comic book uh, the people who buy comic book comic books and all that 
are going to say, you know what, because I can't buy my DC books, maybe I'll pick up more indie titles. Maybe that's how it's for, like the people who care about comic book shops, it's not going to be enough. Comic book shops are going to suffer. But hopefully in at least a few places that can happen, that people go, well, I'm not buying DC comics here anymore. Maybe they're not buying DCs at all. Hey guys, DC comics at all. While we're they're getting... trade waiting and not doing single yeah. issues. And instead they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to support indie titles. I'm going to support more other, because there's other fantastic comics out there that are not DC and Marvel. And to be honest, DC's output right now, I'd rather read a lot of those other books. So like they're not doing themselves any favors. Like yeah, I used to be a big DC guy. My poll list when I first started collecting comics was nothing but DC. Now it's 90% Marvel and 1% DC. This is not the last major uh, DC comics uh, news we will hear. I don't think, I think no. we're, I think we are on the long or short road of a massive change to DC comics in every aspect. Yeah, all I know is that if AT, if this was mostly AT&T's AT decision, just like the calls, they dropped the ball on this one. <laughs> um, let me let me if if my local comic store can't get DC single issues, I personally think I'm going to at least pick up five other issues of some other indie comic that interests me. I'm going to make that investment instead, and yeah. I think everybody else should too. If your comic store is not going to have DC single issues, still support consider, them. consider supporting them in another way. If you were still going to be putting in money for DC titles, just put that money in for something else. Hey, because they, Buy DC Translator yeah. or whatever. Wait for the comicsology sales. Because if, if everyone's thinking like that, like, hey, man, my they're not selling DC books at my comic store, that means if everyone stops buying DC books at that store because they don't sell them, that, that, that store is going to lose business, massive business. You have to support comic sales in different ways. Buy more Marvel, buy more indie. Which, buy is, more which, is, why we're, which is why bringing back to this, which is why we're talking about, like, retailers are not going to be left with that decision they will have have to they will have to do this yeah but fundamentally uh if you can be more supportive of things that are not supportive of this move do it um you don't need to buy that issue of batman you don't need to buy that issue of superman you want to buy that issue of jimmy olsen go he, for it because that's a small it. title and jimmy they need needs it, it you want to support the small titles yeah. of dc i fully support you but you want to drop those mainline titles for now do it I support other I promise you, Detective Comics 1015 is going to be just fine. I promise. Comic, comic, uh, our local comic store, they put out their their post uh, on social media about their sale right now. But this time they specifically highlighted, even though it nothing changed, the sale's exactly <laughs> the same. But at the top, they're like, hey, all the DC comics are a dollar. Um, that even though all of the <laughs> comics in the bins are a dollar right now, they're like, oh, all those DC comics, one dollar. That's good. Get them in the store. Yeah, I think this is a, I think this is is a bad time for this kind of move, um, and it is it is a precursor to some massive change, either be it publishing or company. There is something happening with DC. Um, yeah. You know that it, it started. It may have started with Didio, but it's it's still rolling. And and. And much like uh, our country, the comic book industry does need a, a huge change because, uh, again, like the Monopoly Diamond has, something has to change where we, we shouldn't have to rely on one single entity to get all of our comic books. That does need Move to change. So, uh, I, I do have some I do have some options. Uh, I, I, one, one of them was, uh, you know, to DC. If you're listening to DC Comics, uh, here's my option for what you should do. Um, convince the entire industry to go uh to distribute their own comics every other every other mainstream media does that now yeah you know they don't go through distribution services often 
This isn't they just the distribute straight to the store. The 90s anymore, where people have don't have internet. Almost everyone has internet now. You can everyone could buy their books online digitally or digitally or physically. They can yeah. do it. the The market is there. We want our single issues. I I never we, want to not buy single issues. The 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 infrastructure is already there to just be like, hey, DC Comics, distribute your own books, not through a company, through yourself. Marvel, do the same. Boom, do the same. You all have it. You all can do it. And it might take a lot of money and a lot of restructuring, a lot of like new infrastructure. But if you do it, it will, the people will be there for you. Cause at the end of the day, people want their comics. They yeah. always will want their comics. Yeah. Everyone, everyone who's wanted their comics up to this point, is still going to want their comics. I, I think fundamentally for just this moment, whatever's about to happen, you know, take it as it comes, but whatever's going on with your DC issues, if you go to local comic stores, keep supporting your local comics or whatever way you can in light of this. Uh, if you have to lose some DC titles to do it, do it. If you can't support the bat, support spider. Bam. Just, just gotta, just gotta hold out till death metal for me. What about um, this one right here? This, this beauty right here. I love you, Ben. Um, love you too. and then the, the, so the other bit of news that, that dropped was that the Sagra, the Sagra, Jesus, the Sega micro is being released in Japan only for now. No word on a American distribution yet. Not just one. Uh, is it five? Four of them. Four. It's four of them. Four, four Sega Game Gear micros. Uh, for each of one has four games, four different games in four different colors. So if you want the entire collection, you have to spend two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Wait, I'm sorry. Can we jump back to the day before this when Sega was like, "We're about to change the gaming world." Yo, nobody like that. Yes. Yes. That? Are you they're fucking like, kidding me? They're like, we're going to post something revolutionary tomorrow. So, oh, yeah, God, Lego, what are you doing? Those of you watching, uh, if you watch this video, the, the game, what was it called? The Game Gear Micro? Was that what it's called? Game Gear Micro. It's yeah. about this big. The screen is the size of a watch face. So imagine like a Nintendo Joy Con, but that's the entire console. Okay. Uh, four, four games is $50. That's. Oh, what? How much were you selling the, the, the Nintendo consoles for? The same price? Are you kidding me? Okay, so the Super Nintendo Mini, the one that you play into your t- TV, which came with two controllers, 80 bucks. 21 games? All those are like... 21 games. 21 games? How many... Oh, those, both of those games were like 100 plus hour RPGs. Cool. The S, the Sega... Uh, the Genesis Mini? 42 games. That was $80. Came with two controllers. The Sega Game Gear Micro? That's 10 bucks at best. Well, just, you might not have you might not have to but ben, you might not have to worry about it coming to America then. I'm okay ben, with that. Ben, you should buy all four colors though, because then they'll send you something special. No. You're an essential you're an essential buyer. No. Two pins. No, you saw that, right? That's real. Wait, what? what? Yeah, hold on, let me look it up. If you buy all four and you prove it, they'll send you something. Ah it's so dumb. I love it. Ben, now you gotta spend your two hundo. You got a, you no. got a prize? Well, right yeah. now, well, this is only go- well the, the Game Gear Micro, right, as of now, it's only in Japan. It's only coming out in Japan. And, oh, God. Because I yeah. used to own a Sega Game Gear. That thing was hefty. But if I you want to release that in its original size, but download it with, like, a bunch of games, make it worth the $50 price tag, then, hell, yeah, I'll get it. It's, but it's, it's a, a tiny it's little thing. Don't worry, it's guys. There's a magnifying glass. Oh. It's, a big, it's a big Windows accessory. I just looked it up. Yeah, um, Ben, so you get two Sonic games and then two other games for $50 on a screen that's smaller than your watch. You definitely paying for that, my man? No. The second I saw this announcement, I'm like... 
if you buy a pack of all four, they'll send you or they, they'll attach the mini version of its big window magnifying glass. The thing, it's full circle. The thing we talked about before, it's full circle. <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, this is a bad move. This is a lot of money wasted. I hope this bombs. They need to learn their lessons. Nobody wants this. Okay, so when the Sega Genesis, though, when the Sega Genesis Mini came out, they actually came out with um, add-ons. It was like, uh, so you could create the Tower of Power, which was a Sega CD and a 32X. I had They it. were just aesthetic. They didn't do anything. It wasn't like if you get by this, you could connect it to your Genesis, and it could be, and it could play the Sega CD games or the 32X games. If they did that, then hell yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. But they did release that in America, as far as I know. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the Sega Genesis Mini. But this, I don't, this is dumb. This is really dumb. So yeah, like the, the things you said before, like, you know, the SNES Classic and like in the PlayStation Classic, this is just as expensive, almost as expensive with like a third to the fourth to a fifth of the games. Yeah. This is and like, it, I how anyone thought this was a good idea. This is just a week of bad news for everyone. What not was only this? that, unfortunately, the Game Gear, as cool as the Game Gear, okay, so a little bit of history lesson. Batman 92 on it. Here's a little history lesson for you all. So the Game Gear came out at the same time as the Game Boy. Now the strap Game in, Gear, folks. What? I said strap in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so the Game Gear had a backlit screen, full color, but the kicker was that it caught, that you needed six AA batteries to run, whereas yeah. the Game Boy only needed four, and it was no backlight screen, just two colors. You want to know what sold more? The Game Boy. Why? Yeah. Better games, better software. It came packed in with Tetris. What did the Game Gear have? Jack shit. Maybe a few good tiles. You had Sonic Drift on there. You had Sonic Triple Trouble. And Maybe Batman oh. Returns. What's up? Batman Returns, baby. I played that, that game. Batman Returns. But besides that, what did the Game Boy have? Tetris. Eventually, you get Pokemon. Super Mario Land. It had Mortal Kombat. What? It had Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I want you to understand how pumped and curious people got based on their... And they really said the word revolutionary to the video game industry uh, tweet. Oh, my God. People are thinking two things. One, it's going to be a Sega Dreamcast 2. Oh, God, please. Or the second one was that Sega was going to announce a partnership with Microsoft <laughs> um, and, and like completely like change up their market and Microsoft and Sega were going to be working together on a ton of new properties and shit like that. Uh, neither of those things happened. Sega's full um, of lies. It was so ridiculous. Sega? That's what they're like, this, this news must be dope for how much they're talking it up. So when the Sega Genesis Mini was even when it was even fantasized after the SNES came out, people were staring at Sega, thinking, "Are they gonna come out with the Sega Genesis Mini?" Sega did. It came out on the year of the 30th anniversary, and the thing is, Sega did it better than Nintendo. It came out with 42 games. Two of those games were never released in the United States, and it was the exact same price. You got 10 more games, and all those games are Genesis classics. This is just. Ooh, like Sega, for once, they redeemed themselves from the loss of the console wars. They actually had a one-up on Nintendo for once in their lives, and now it's like, we have the micro. It's like, if this comes to America, this is dead. This is dead in the water. I'm pissed off. There's no way in hell I'm dropping 200 bucks on four little tiny, little tiny-ass things. I, no, saw the, I saw the comparison. I saw, the, I saw it in the dude's hand. I was like, oh, it was so cute. It's super... No, it's definitely cheap. 
I don't want to play games on a credit card. No, How, this, I, this is much easier to play a game game on. The game this was made Micro. to play games on. Did you I have a Game Boy Micro? What? Did you ever have a Game Boy Micro? No, but I do know what you're talking about. Those were small, but they were they still worked. Those were fine. Hey, if, if we know everything from our exes, it's not the size that matters. Pow, 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 pow. Bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> um, I just love how Sparks is like. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So moving into the trailers now. Um, we have oh two trailers. T-talk. We have two. We have two trailers. Uh, the first one was actually from last week, but I totally didn't see, and I thought it looked really good. Japan sinks 2020. This is a new anime coming to Netflix. Uh, I love the animation. Um, so if you love the animation, Netflix also has Devilman Crybaby, which is made by the same director, same team. Uh, that mm -hmm. animation is exactly the same. Uh, that anime is bonkers wild. Yeah. Um, I would actually love for us to talk about it someday, but it, it, whew, that, is a, that is rough. Um, it's this animation is beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited about this, though. This looks really good. I'm glad that this animation team is doing another thing. This is the kind of anime I wish I was seeing on Netflix more, personally. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, this is the style I like the most of the Netflix-produced anime. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah, it, it uh, just, the idea is the huge earthquake, tsunamis, like Japan's sinking into the ocean. And it's just about like people coming together, like uh, through trauma, like uh, trying to survive and be a family. And like it yeah. looks really good. Like it is based off like apparently like a super famous science fiction novel. Uh, so like it looks, I'm very down. If those dumb Netflix anime Godzilla movies were in this animation, I'd at least watch them. Yeah, yeah same. Me too. I want to enjoy looking at it. Like I mean, it's a movie. I gotta look at it, guys. Come on. I mean, even seeing that scene to the trailer where you see Okinawa sink into the ocean, that's like, that is heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the final the, the final trailer, the final bit of news, uh, Lovecraft Count Country just put up a new a new trailer. Yeah. Looks I know. awesome. It's hard, it's hard for me to say country or county, because every time I see something like that, I'm thinking county, but no, it's country. Me too, buddy. Yeah. It's uh, definitely country. Yeah. This looks fan. Fantastic. Like it gives me a lot of the Watchmen vibes, but like it's like a science fiction story, but with all the political undertones that that uh, that the twenty first century require. Uh, this looks awesome. And uh, I love all the all the actors in it. Like it looks it's an HBO, so they got the budget. Um he sparks maybe suggested a basement or uh, what was it? Fake Nerds Watch. Whatever the hell their show is called, Fake Nerds Watch. Uh I am I am so excited. It comes out in August. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm I'm so stoked. Like blending because hp lovecraft i was talking to him about this earlier hp lovecraft one of my favorite writers famously very homophobic and racist very hardcore racist so to have his work turned into a story of black of, of black people trying to rise like that's what it slapped to him like slapping his face but also like respecting like his work of like the unknown so it's kind of like mm -hmm. building on hp lovecraft uh, and i'm like i'm just so ready for it i'm so excited it's kind of like too. it's kind of like them lifting the thing up, but also doing this the exact same time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. hey, I love your stuff, but you suck as a person. Oh yeah. yeah uh, I'm super stoked for this. Off the camera, listeners. He's flipping off the camera. Oh yeah. Sorry. The word has been uh, the word. Thank you. Yes, it has. Uh, yeah, I'm super stoked for this. I, I cannot wait. It looks awesome. It looks it looks terrifying too. There's a lot of imagery in this trailer. It's like, oh geez. Yeah. Like there's one shot that, that you really like uh, of someone on a dock just getting just pulled getting into pulled. the dock. Yeah. And oh, it's like God. The, I'm like, oh baby. That, yeah. yeah, that's that's freaky. Um all right. Uh if there's nothing else, anything else you guys want to touch on before we move on? I can't think of anything. We're gonna move on. Cool. I quickly go to the bathroom. Roll into it, Brandon. <laughs>
we <laughs> we are touching on the next three movies of the uh, DC animated movie universe. This is like we said last week, the films mostly inspired by the new 52 and other works, a lot of other works um, that connect into a single continuity, um, starting with justice league, the flashpoint paradox this week, we are touching on and full spoilers for justice league, throne of Atlantis, Batman versus Robin and Batman, bad blood. Uh, those are the three. So what do we think about these, about these three? I'll go, I'll go to Ben first. Cause Half of your screen's missing, Sparks. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> He's just visible. <laughs> Sparks just put his arm up for the listeners. No, so. it's like that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where he's like, say hello, Bob. Yeah. Uh, so, Sparks? Nope. So, Ben? Yeah. Did I just get demoted? What? Yeah. Guys, I got sunburned protesting. Hell yeah. That's why I wore <laughs> I just saw in the uh, mirror my, red, my forehead's very red. Yeah. Uh, ben, Ben, for the love of God, your initial thoughts on okay. these three movies. <laughs> um, well, I actually have seen Throne of Atlantis and Batman Bad Blood previously only once. And when I first saw them, I was with my pre- with the previous show I was on. And Throne of Atlantis, I thought, wasn't that good. Actually, I saw Throne of Atlantis right before I went and saw Aquaman. And I was really scared that they're going to like just just like mishmash uh throne of atlantis into the new aquaman movie but actually um after a second rewatch is like no this actually this movie's actually got some it's got it's pretty good i actually really enjoyed it i don't know if i was just too critical of it the first time because i thought it was like eh, or whatever bad blood not that bad not as bad as i remember it uh, focusing on atlantis first oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, initial thoughts on all three Oh, oh yeah, you're right. One at a time. Throw it out of Atlantis. One at a time. Uh, we did one at a time last time. Oh, we did. You're right. Okay. You're right. Yeah. So throw, so throw it out of Atlantis. I'm high. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. When I was watching Throw it out of Atlantis, um, I, I definitely remember that. I definitely remember the changes from between from the graph from the comic books that were coming out and to this. So. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Sparks, your initial thoughts on Throne of Atlantis. I don't know how you take such a cool, deep comic and get such a shallow movie i'll call it a movie <laughs> uh ryan uh yeah uh i liked i remember when i saw hancock for the first time and i was like you know what a drunk superhero is pretty cool i don't know why this is aquaman because that wasn't that character in the comics this movie's kind of bad <laughs> um yeah i uh oh, i guess i wasn't too critical the first time i watched it <laughs> man, you're right you were right the first time this movie's not good <laughs> it is my it is my least favorite of the three this week Oh, hundred uh, percent. Uh, and it, I don't think I don't think I hate it as much as you guys, but I, you know, it was it, to me, it was fine. Oh, this is where it, I started noticing of quite a few animation changes, and even the other one. Well, once we could see the other two movies, I noticed a few clips because I remember in, in uh, Throne of Atlantis, there's this one scene. I even rewind it just to make sure I didn't, uh, I wasn't hallucinating. But someone forgot to animate or color in Superman's collar in one shot. It's near the end of the movie. Like he has his collar. You see him, no collar. It's like the classic Superman style, and then it's back to his collar again. I'm like, what? Who I bet it wasn't. A, I bet it wasn't a mistake. It was just the. It was just the colorist is going like, nah, not this week. <laughs> not me. I'm getting an um, hour early. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, Matt. So Matt. Oh, Matt, not Matt Boomer. I forgot the actor's name. Uh, the voice actor for Anakin Skywalker from the Clone Wars series is Aquaman. And uh, once again, I actually think the voice cast is pretty good in this one. They replaced Green Lantern with uh, with Nathan Fillion, which is mm-hmm. always a plus in my book. Yes, I have 
zero problem with the voice acting. Yes. My, my I do have a problem. If this is supposed to be a cinematic universe, have some consistency because yes. Hal, I, I love Nathan Fillion so much more than the last guy, but it's not the same person as the last guy. Oh, God. That's the same problem. cinematic universe. But he was yeah, so. Flashpoint paradox. No, no, but you can't skip a movie. It's not allowed. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I had the, I had, I was going to say, if you're going to build a cinematic universe, then, then you should keep the consistency because that's how actor, that's how uh, uh, people get uh, interested in these characters and grow with these characters. That's why they get invested with them if there's some consistency. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's going to come up a couple times on these three movies today, Um, but it's specifically Throne of Atlantis. Uh, If you are building a cinematic universe, if you have that kind of faith. This doesn't need to be a Justice League movie if you want to do an Aquaman origin story the way you're trying to do it. Or limit down how much of the Justice League needs to be involved. If you're not adapting the Jeff John story, then don't adapt, don't pretend you're adapting the Jeff John story. Yeah. Because they're not. They're 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 not. Not at all. <gasps> they're they're taking like teeny bits. The names are there for sure. Uh, yeah. um... all the stuff with Superman and Wonder Woman is out of those comics and Orm's, all the- Orm's oh, entire plot line. No, no. Yeah. It was, no. it was Orm was, Orm was, Orm. Start, well, the Orm start of Throne of Atlantis is that Orm, do, Orm does the, the tsunami at the start of Throne of Atlantis. That's true. But Orm is tricked by Volko. Orm doesn't want to do this at all. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> Orm doesn't, doesn't want to do this. He does it because he genuinely believes the surface dwellers attack first in the comics. Yeah. This is not Orm's plot. So here's movie. so here's one one uh, kind of like it's not really a problem, but if you are reading the comics that these are inspired by, they're not the same, and there's going to be problems. Uh, so it's hard it's hard to be like because like on its own, I think it's whatever. But like when you look at it through the 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 view of they're in, they're uh, adapting a comic, it's a bad adaptation. Yes. So it, it, it either if you watch this as a new fan, I don't think you get service, and if you watch this as a comic fan, you don't get service. Right. Because even if you're not a person looking for it to be an adaptation of that comic story, the thing is that they're pulling in the Justice League because they are adapting that comic story, yeah. and they're trying to tie in those parts of it because it's all the Justice League beats that are the parts that are coming out of the comics, none of the Aquaman beats. Yeah. And you just didn't need to do that. You could have just told an Aquaman movie. You could have changed it since you're not adapting that story. Why does Bat? Well, I mean, I know it's because he's Batman, but why does Batman get like six own his of his own movies? Aquaman's cool. Wonder Woman's cool. She gets her own movies. Green Lantern gets his own movies. Why Orm, can't Aquaman get his own uh, movies? Orm is voiced by Sam Witwer. Yeah, yes, which is cool. Again, all the voice yeah. cast great. I love, I love him. He's so dramatic. Yo, I um, forgot. Oh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was gonna say um, Matt, Matt, Matthew Lennox, Henry Lennox. Uh, is uh, is the voice of Black Black Panther? Yeah, he uh, uh, General. Oh, Swan. that's who that was. Yeah. Yeah. The guy, the guy who everyone's just like, yeah, he works with Atlantis. That's not weird. Yeah, yeah. Again, the choice is to have just Black Manta be a part of their like. We don't know he's a bad. I mean, okay, we know he's a bad guy, but like he's just working with them. There's not a scene of them like working out a deal. He's just working with the Atlanteans. They yeah. just it's so weird. They have Stephen Shin in this movie just to kill him. It's so and weird. it doesn't yeah. even mean anything that they kill him. It's so it weird. doesn't mean anything that they kill him. They have Atlanta in this movie just to kill her, and it doesn't mean anything that they kill her because she never even meets her son. Yeah, well, I was. Freaking, I remember the first time I watched it, I was pissed at the kill at Lana because I just finished reading um, uh, Maelstrom, which introduced uh, Queen Atlanta, where Arthur met her mo- his mom in the books. And I was like, hey, this is a really good thing in the comic books that we got to meet Aquaman's mom. She dead. I, well, I mean, you gotta the, the I mean, 
that storyline, Ben, was uh, was released prior to the movie being finished. Uh, after this movie was finished. Wow. So that that plotline was never going to be a thing. They were still working off the idea that Alana was killed. Sure. Oh, okay. But but they put... Uh, Alana is not in the comics at all for this arc. She's presumed yeah. dead. That's it. Uh, there is no point in including her in this movie just at a, all. Just to kill all her. she is there for to die. is to be killed by Orm. And she has no purpose of meeting Arthur. And it doesn't mean anything to either of them when she dies. Yeah. yeah. Arthur doesn't know who she is, so why would he care if she dies? Other than, like, the fact, I know that's my mother. Yeah. But there's no relationship. It is pointless. I uh, I really like Mara's design. Yeah. She's, I, she's a dope-ass earthbender. Yeah. Yeah. She looks yeah. Like Waterbender? No, I know, but she's dressed in all green, bro. She looks like an earthbender. Oh, okay. Um, I, got, I got some... The, tre- the trencher in this. The trench are in this, and they're definitely uh, advanced. Are, are they? Are they? They're called is that trench. Really the trench. Is that really the trench? It's it's the trench. It's their way of adapting the trench. Oh, real quickly, um, I think the opening was Cyborg taking a jog. I think that's a really good character beat. That comes right out of the comics, and I really like yeah. that. Yeah, I really yeah. like that part. What I don't like is that they make a whole. So in the comics, Vic has uh, the idea introduced to him of his dad wanting to replace his lung so he can do more things. And he says, no, the justice league is dragged to the bottom of the ocean. And the only way he can save them is to replace the lung. And that's why he ultimately decides to do it. Making him just be like, yeah, I'll just do it. It's whatever. Robs it of that meaning. Cyborg goes, has his lung replaced, goes to the bottom of the ocean. and He still has to wear a mask. Yes. He's yeah. the only person down there wearing a mask and he has no lungs. What's up yeah. with that? Oh yeah. How can, um, yeah. Superman and Wonder Woman don't wear a mask. That's weird. I, well, they, so, they don't do it in the comics either. That's oh, fine. Okay. It's just silly that they made a point about his lungs being removed, and now he, can, he yeah. can't breathe in the water. Uh, so, so re- regardless of the of the Aquaman stuff, I actually do find the stuff with the Justice League not being a Justice League, you know, still calling them Super Seven, and them kind of like we're not real. This is this sort of publicity thing. I do like that stuff and them getting together. I like. I think that's some some interesting, not interesting, but like fun and some fun stuff. I agree. Uh, it, it just, man, I just, it's weird because, like, I just think of this as, like, an Aquaman thing, and the Justice League is so prevalent the entire way yeah. through. Another thing I have a problem with this movie is consistency. You guys remember at the beginning when Aquaman is in a bar, and he's getting beat up by a bunch of random dudes? Yeah. Okay, remember at the end when he's fighting an Atlantean army and Orm, who can defeat all the Justice League by himself? Apparently he's stronger than Darkseid, and now he can fight him like it's no problem. Where's the consistency? No, okay. Uh, I don't like the the trident that can do whatever I want in the moment until Aquaman can beat the crap out of me. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that the trident can overpower everybody except if Aquaman's punching me. I forget that the trident can do that. I don't remember yeah. Orm being... Because remember when we watched uh, the Justice League fight Darkseid? I feel like they had a harder time fighting Orm than they had of our, than fighting Darkseid. Yeah. Ben, did you like the moment where, where Arthur calls in a, a giant shark and bites the people in the air? That I was the like moment that. you missed from, although, from war. Although that was, although he does kill Black Man, and actually, what, that's actually a, I don't know if it's a growing complaint that I have with the, as I'm continuously watching these movies all in a row, is that they're killing off a lot of major villains, just like that, and it kind of that bothers me a little bit. They are, like, they, they are violent, yeah. And of course, they're not, they're not obviously not saying us like black. That's like the first Black Man because we know um, from the comics and also from the Aquaman movie. 
that there was the original Black Manta, his dad, and then the son took the took his place as I the new Black Manta. It was the dad who died then. It probably was, but we never see no, the that's son. Not, that's not how that works. There's only no. one Black Manta. He becomes Black Manta because he's da- his dad was killed. His dad was never Black Panther. Uh, uh, Black he, he was already Black Manta. So in the comics, because I just read them this week, in the mm-hmm. comics, this is based on Jeff Johns' run. Black Manta exists. He's hunting down the others. He attacked uh, Aquaman's father, which caused him to have a heart attack. Uh, he did that because he was hired to do it by Stephen Shin. And yeah. then... Seeking revenge, Aquaman trails Black Manta, finds his boat, and assumes that the man on the boat is Black Manta and kills him. But it's actually his father, Black Manta, who comes up from the bottom of the ocean oh. and finds him killing his father. But his father was never Black Manta so in those comics. Okay, so that's a new thing oh, okay. for like the movie then, I guess. It's not in the movie either. Well, even in the movie, he's not yeah. like the official Black Manta. His he's dad not, died. He's not Black Manta. He's just he's just like a, a pirate. Oh, okay, sorry, but he is still a... a, a... Pirate. He's still a bad guy, though. Okay. Yeah, he's still a bad guy. Yeah. But even in this movie, because Black Manta is a very high-profile Aquaman villain, that's why we were all excited when uh, when we saw found out that Black Manta was one of the villains in the Aquaman movie that came out. I was just excited to see the dome, I, honestly. Oh, it's me yeah, too. He, was, he besides, was wasted in this. Exactly. I mean, even, even in Young Justice, Black Manta was badass in Young Justice. In this one, he's sniveling to, the, to uh, Orm, and it's like, you could kick his ass. I kept thinking like it was going to be the reveal that Black Manta had orchestrated this whole thing. Like when right. Black Manta, well, he did. Yeah, did. Uh, uh, kind of, it did because he was telling Aquaman that I orchestrated this whole thing, and once uh, or and once you're done, I'm gonna slit Orm's throat so I can steal the treasures for Atlantis, and then gets eaten by a goddamn shark. But it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't mean anything. They're really no. bad. They are really bad at villain motivations in these animated films. They are really bad at them. This is across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The only one I think escapes this is probably uh, the Dooms, the Dark Side one. And that's just that's, that's just, just Dark Side. Yeah, just taking over the world. Yeah. Yeah, Dark Side does Dark Side does what Dark Side does. This whole thing is just. Ugh. Um, there was a John Henry cameo. Steel himself. Yes, oh yeah. Are. Does, is that going to amount to anything future? No. There's a movie called yeah. Death of Superman, in, and we in, ran in Superman. Like five years. <laughs> That's like so, five, it goes, that was a silly cameo. That was a silly cameo. Is this the one with the, the post-credit scene that never happens? That never amounts to anything? Oh, you mean with Luke Luther Goyne and Sissy Orm? The one post-credit scene I actually watched because I missed the uh, the last three? Yes. yes. Ryan looked it up. That never pays off. There is not a movie where those voice actors come back to play Lex Luthor. That voice actor does not come back to play that Lex Luthor. That's that post is a fake and Orm never shows up again. And, and Orm never shows up again in anything, even the side like Suicide Squad movies. It is a fake post credit scene. And I'm just like, wow, you guys really just wanted to do a Marvel. You really just wanted to, didn't you? Yeah, Rain Wilson replaces Steve Bloom as Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's uh, um, I just thought it was really bold. I never really liked I never really liked Steve Bloom as Lex Luthor, personally. They do they do the tidal wave and it means nothing. Oh yeah, the tile wave doesn't even no, go into the, not hit the city at all. They're they just did. like, look at this show of force. Okay, everybody, just march your troops into the city like we're just anything else. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. just because the the, the the tile wave actually lands in Metropolis uh, in the comics, right, Sparks? Am I yes, right? That right? It lands in Metropolis. It lands in Gotham. It it hits a lot of places. My biggest problem with that is these are animated movies. You should be going 
for the intense visuals, we can't get out of live action. They pick the most pedestrian ways sometimes to show these things. And that was so lame yeah. and so sad. Yeah. I do think um, I mean, all the fights, like in all these movies, I think all the action is, is pretty good for the most part. Uh, like Orm, even though I have a problem with how, or, how powerful Orm is, uh, the fight with the Justice League is pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to hit across some notes real quick. Um, I really do like the development of Superman and Wonder Woman from Justice League War to this. Mm -hmm. I like that stuff. That is pulled right out of the comics. Uh, I like that whole cute relationship thing about her going out with him to dinner and being like, wow, these glasses, they really work. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cute. Love it. Glad it was there. I like the hollow suit. I wanted to specifically cite the hollow suit from Cyborg's Dream that you brought up earlier, Brandon. Oh, yeah. But that is in the comics. I love that the suit is just hollow in there. And he's like, no, please, a little longer. Mm -hmm. um, I love that Shazam is still in this and that his relationship with the Vic is still good. I like the callback of victory. victory. That is the one thing that makes this feel super continuous. Um, uh, ye weird but fun with how getting a, uh, with uh, how going and getting Batman um yeah. gotham oh yeah, yeah however that uh a similar moment happens where aquaman approaches batman in the comics but and he's chasing scarecrow's goons but scarecrow's goons are wearing these big stupid crow heads and i wish they were wearing the big dumb crow heads in this too because i think those are that, so stupid uh, and goofy that plot line goes into an animated short called nightwing and robin uh that was on the dvd special features of this movie i love it oh um, we we talked about that. We talked about that. Uh, Mare's just straight up murdering fools at one oh, point. Yeah. And I, I was like, dang. Sometimes the like for how reserved I feel they are with some of their action scenes, sometimes the violence surprises me. And I'm yeah. like, if we're gonna go this far, why aren't we doing things like the tidal wave crashing the city? Yeah. Why aren't we doing whatever? <laughs> um, it's it's weird. It's like they they enjoy weird like uh. Uh, what is the no 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 what is the uh uh when you're like cutting off limbs and stuff uh what's the word for that uh, Maybe. uh amputating they, uh no oh, uh, uh, uh anyway there's yeah. a word for it but uh like they really enjoy slicing up body parts and showing that in action yeah. scenes for some reason yeah, but they don't like to do a lot is uh, it maiming maiming m-a-i-m-a i don't i know what word you're saying but i don't know if it's i'm fine i don't think it's the word i'm thinking dead space doesn't correctly this but they really like doing that a lot, but they don't like being adventurous with their other visuals. Uh, I think Superman putting the Aquaman pictures together from the ripped up pieces of paper is really cute. Oh yeah. yeah. When he jumps in and Batman's like, don't touch anything. And he's like, yeah. And Batman's like, Jesus Christ, I just said. <laughs> um, Orm is really dramatic and I love Sam Witwer and I like that he's really dramatic even though I don't think the character's motivations are very good at all. Um, Arthur just doesn't get enough time to be developed. We, I don't, yeah. I don't get enough time as this movie to care. I care because I care about Arthur in a larger sense, but I don't care about this version of Arthur. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a big problem, big problem. Uh, uh, before I for uh, Grim, never. Uh, it's a weird way to do the trench. We talked about that. Um, they do that. Everybody pile on the hero and then get thrown off in this burst three times i counted they do that same like do, 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 bam uh, ridiculous not creative it's not cool uh yeah. uh uh how uh, uh brandon i'm gonna assume that this was also your favorite part of the entire thing which is when hal is just vacuuming up 
Atlanteans and they're being spit out. Yes. And just, like, <laughs> <laughs> so the whole movie was almost yes. worth it for that bit because Hal's just like this. He's, <laughs> he's just he's just, just gonna flying through the, the construct. <laughs> It was that was yeah. I really like that again. Again, I like the so far between War and this film. I've really liked the Green Lantern content we've gotten. Yes, I I agree. I I that was a highlight for sure. Yeah. That and the Superman putting together the pictures are probably two of my favorite beats in this whole movie. Um, but it's still like there's so much that I'm like uh, I don't really again, care. When you have the source material, <laughs> that's so good. The choices they made just uh, baffle me. Because, again, in animation, you can do so much. And it's like, you guys, I feel like you guys are holding back, and I don't know why. Um, my last note is just that, um, yeah, that kiss from between Mera and Aquaman is definitely earned, 100%, for sure. But you know what would have been earned? The kiss between Vic and that doctor. Let me tell you, that was Yeah, dope. yeah, that yeah. Been earned. yeah but that I really like better, that. That was better built in its two scenes than all of Mera and Aquaman. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay. Hold up. I, I actually have one more thing to say because we were talking about consistency earlier. And one thing, and like especially in animation consistencies, I liked how Superman looked in this a little bit. Like, I didn't feel like his neck was just super bulbous. And also, as a I little. What's up? I agree with that. Okay. And not only that, just a little point for me because in Justice League War, when we first see him, Superman doesn't have the S on his cape. It doesn't have the black S. It's just a blank cape like it was in the, the original animated shows. This one, they actually took the time and drew the and drew the S on it, and I kind of like that. I've always been a fan of Superman having an S on the back of his cape. Yeah, I think Superman had the S in the S in the back of his cape in this in the animated series, in the solo animated series, but not in Justice League. But I don't know for sure. No, I, uh, I my memory, he never had it in. Uh, the definitely, he definitely, did, he definitely didn't have it in Justice League. But I wonder if in his animated yeah. series. I'm remember. pretty sure it did it, but I could be wrong. It's been um, a long time since I've seen an animated show. So let's or move on to the next show. one. So let's move on to the next one. Batman versus Robin. Um, I'll go real quickly with my initial thoughts. I had never seen this movie before. I didn't know this was a Court of Owls ad- adaptation. So when the talent showed up, I was real surprised. I don't know if that is on our end. Okay, there we go. Are we, we're back now, Brandon? Oh, yeah, you're hi, back. guys. Hey, welcome back. Glad to be back. What's the next movie, man? Batman, Batman versus Robin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we lost Ryan, Ryan and Sparks for a second. Um, yeah. So the next one is Batman versus Robin. Damn. Batman and Robin. Yes. Versus. Uh, ba- Batman versus Robin. And uh, it, real quickly, I didn't know this was a Court of Owls adaptation. So when the talent showed up, I was real surprised. Um, ben, what, what did you think of this one? I think I did remember hearing that this was a Court of Owls adaptation. And I was hoping for a real Court of Owls adaptation. And in that light, no, I'm very disappointed by this movie. Yes, I, but again, if you didn't want, if you didn't know anything about the comics, I think, I think of the three, this is the best one for me of the of the three. Uh, I, you know, I think it is too because there there are some, like as a Court of Owls fan, because I love the Court of Owls as one of the first big Batman runs I dove into when the new it was the okay. opening act of Snyder's Fifty Two run. The Court yeah. of Owls was the opening act, and it slaps to this day, and uh, just. What Sparks? What'd you think it? Oh no, I Ben, I was just putting up an arm because Ryan wasn't here. Oh, you well, what'd you think of? Ben, finish your thoughts real quick, and then Sparks, what did, what did you think of it? Uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, Sparks. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I do agree. I think uh, this is the best. There you go. 
Uh, I think this is the best of the three. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that. Uh, the the only real problem for me ends up in like the third act. Um, I think again, talking about villain motivation. Once Talon kills the Grandmaster, I no longer understand or I'm invested in what he's doing. It doesn't track. It doesn't make sense to me. And it feels just like a Slade rehash from Son of Batman. For real. And what doesn't make sense to me is that, again, at, at the very end when when Calvin Rose, Talon, who in the comics turns into a good guy, so to make him be even guy. Again, the choices they make in these animated movies makes so little sense to me because they so completely got rid of Lincoln March, the Batman oh, yeah. Alabama. They made Talon, who is a hero, they made him the villain, and they turned him into a B-minus Slade ripoff where he just wants power and wants to take over the League of Assassins, I mean the Court of Owls. It, it, the third act really falls apart, and um, it bums me out. Well, that's interesting. So I, so this is not my favorite of the three. I, um, that's the next one. Um, this is my, this would be my second favorite. Um, and I'll talk about what I really like about, about them when we get to Bad Blood, but this movie for me is saved in its third act, not because of its thematic story revelations, but because of the action sequence. I think the action sequence is a testament to the best animation that this series has had up to this point. That animation is so fluid and, 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 and well choreographed. And I like, I like that a whole lot. Look at that beautiful Greg Capullo. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the end also has, has Alfred with a shotgun and it always gives me points. Oh yeah. Look, I want that. I 100% agree about the animation and the action yeah. in the third act. Um, it's just, I don't like the story directions because the thing is that at that point they have now, they're pulling out beats from the comics that I'm like, yeah, I love those beats in the comics when he gets in the armor and all that. That's great. Uh, but I don't, in this film, you have made me now not be a, invested emotionally anymore in the characters because sure. I don't understand why this is happening anymore. <laughs> Talon, Talon doesn't make sense as the villain in that moment. It really doesn't. No, because yeah. when we see Talon unmasked, I, I, he, I, could, I couldn't forget his name. Ryan reminded me it was Calvin Rose because I bought those books. I liked those books. I liked Talon as a character, as someone who got away from the Court of Owls yeah, and seeing him essentially, because we never know, we never A, we never hear his true name, and also, he's just like, I'm just going to screw the ritual. And also, I just want power because F it. F everything. F you all. He loses any motivation that he did have, I feel. Because like, yeah. just he just goes to just being power hungry. And that is the lamest, most boring reason for a character to want to do anything. Yeah, like the, um, one of the saving graces... Well, sorry, Brandon, real quick. One of the saving graces for this film, for me, is the relationship between uh, Bruce and Damien. How Damien... I think, I think that film... I think this film is a... Um, is an improvement in that regards to the last 100%. Batman film. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because obviously, they're, the Damien's trying to go out and prove to Batman that he could do things, and Batman's trying to be a father for the first time. And the way that they eventually grow and learn together at the end is really good. I, I really like that. Um, I, I, have a, I have a note here that says, Omara gets better with each film. I agree. Um, I, he does. He does. I really like him. After watching these two movies, man, Like this dude's grown on me a lot. Oh, yeah. He... I, uh, he, it does. I also write. It helps that he's been in every single one of them since Justice League War. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think he's. I think he's improving a lot as the voice of Batman. I'm starting to really enjoy him. Um, yeah. Omar real quickly. On me. Yeah. Real quickly, I want to mention the doll maker is in this movie. Oh yeah. And 
Well, I mean, I for a little and, and so it's voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. Fun fact. Um, what? Yeah. What? Um, yeah, it's weird. It's Weird Al. Um, he's credited as Al Yankovic. Um, That's hilarious. And uh, and he doesn't look anything like the Doll Man from that first run of Detective Comics. This is the same doll maker who cut the Joker's face off, right? Supposedly. Well, Dollmaker, yes. Uh, that's so. That's again weird choices that these. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Kevin Conroy returns. It. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sparks. Yeah, I want to talk about the Dollmaker part real quick. Yeah. I think the the opening is atmospherically creepy successfully. Mm-hmm. And for that much, I like it. And uh, yeah. my one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when Batman saves the little pulls the little girl out of the cage and she hugs him and he hugs her back. And he says, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to keep you safe, I promise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, man, you don't see a lot of those moments with Batman. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kevin Conroy returns as Thomas Wayne. It is Kevin Conroy. I oh, didn't really? We both thought that, yeah. but we weren't sure. Yeah, because it sounded like, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. They got a guy who kind of sounds like Kevin Conroy. It's oh. great. It oh, is man, Kevin. I didn't catch that. I did yeah. not yeah. catch it. I just it's thought, okay, cool, it's Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, this was one of my favorite moments. So, so there's, there's some character moments that I really enjoy between Bruce and Damien a lot, but uh, also there's a moment where um, Alfred. <laughs> confronts, oh jeez, um, Alfred uh, con, um, confronts Bruce and kind of has a moment in the in the past when he's talking about like you know sometimes sometimes things just happen. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a really good moment. Uh, that's pulled right out of the comics when he's talking about how he knows the Court of Owls don't exist and he because he investigated them. Um, and I yeah. thought that was adapted really well. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a question because I for this I only read Court of Owls and Night of Owls stuff. Uh, is Damien the, the like relationship tension because he, they haven't revealed Damien to the press? Is that something from a comic story? No. Okay. Because no. I thought that stuff was cool, and so I just wanted I, to know if yeah. that was something. Because it's not in—he's not in the Court of Owls stuff enough for that to be part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. thought that was that was a cool angle uh, for this, which is part of the reason I think the Bruce and Damien relationship works so well in this is because there is there is a fundamental thing of like, uh, Damien has a lot of respect for Bruce, and he wants him to be acknowledging him not just as Robin but as his son. Mm-hmm. And I thought that as a through line was really inventive and fun and it's one of the reasons why i do think this is this is tops uh of these three films Mm -hmm. and i also want to bring up um having now done this one and batman bad blood but mostly most specifically this one if you're watching these dc animated films and you're doing like the timeline order uh you don't need son of batman it you don't need it at all it does (laughs) nothing good for you it really doesn't uh it adds Nothing. Uh, Talia. Uh, we're gonna talk about it when we get to Bad Blood. Yeah. We'll talk about it when we get to Bad Blood how it, it actually works as a detriment to Bad Blood. Um, but it, it, the relationship is, you could start here with Damien and Bruce, and you get everything you need. You do yeah. not need Son of Bad. I, I wrote, I wrote here. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I wrote here that uh, I like the change for this movie. I don't. I prefer it in the story, but I did appreciate the change here that the Court of Owls didn't know that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did find that to be. Kind of. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I I thought it was a nice way to differentiate to to be like we're doing our own story. I do. Which is what I think adaptations would do. I do really like that they offer Bruce Wayne membership, not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool thing. I do want to point out that yeah, in the comics they don't know at first that they're the same. Oh yeah. Uh, They find it out 
in the Hunt of Bruce Wayne, but they don't off, ever offer him membership in the comics, and I thought that was a really cool addition. Yeah, I like uh, that a lot. Nice. Yeah. And unlike the unlike the the comic, Bruce doesn't take down the Court of Owls in this. No. No. Um. The the Talon does. The Talon does. Yeah, he just murders which everyone. Would be, which would be cool. I feel like fate, Talon and Batman facing the Court of Owls should have been the third act, not Talon hunt whatever he's i i want i want damien to live the same life i live whatever talon just feels like another slade wilson to like a t there's like a powerful dude who wants to take over the society or whatever it's like man like talon this is not that character at all what's going on and that's and that's part of why i say like really skip son of batman i don't think that the third act would feel as much of a repeat if you didn't have that slade damien stuff from son of batman you really don't need it. If you were coming to this one, I would find that at least a little fresher, uh, even though I would still say, like, I don't really understand Talon's motivations. Um, but it, it's just really, like, hard to care yeah. about the Talon fight at the end, even though the action is good. Everything with Dick Grayson, I'm a fan of. I love Dick Grayson <laughs> in this movie and the next movie. Uh, he gets the shit kicked out of him by Damien uh, the first time he meets him, and I'm just, like, a big fan of that. Uh, any interaction with those two guys, I'm just, I love so much. In the in the comics during this time period, Nightwing has a different outfit. Um, it is it is red with the bird, but um, I told Ryan I wouldn't mind if it stayed blue. I like the blue better, too. But I wish that it had the wings that go all the way up to his shoulders. Yeah. Which I thought was a cool costume design. I wish that was something that translated over to this anime. He is, film. I think he's getting a new costume in the next movie. Yeah. Well, in that's uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans, right? Oh, you mean the, oh. the next movie, the next, uh, the next set we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Um, I'm gonna Ben. You got more to say right now? Um, well, I, I don't know. It's just because I loved the Core of Owls stuff when I was reading it. Because as I was watching this, like issue five of uh, Core of Owls, where Batman essentially goes nuts. That awesome scene where. Or that awesome part where he's in the Court of Owls maze, and it, it, as you're reading the book, it all goes upside down. You have to that scene would have been Man, so cool. The, the labyrinth issue is my favorite Batman issue of the last 10 years. Yeah. Because so, you read it upside down shit. Yeah. It's so good. I, I, I wanna, that, there's, right? a, there's a reference to uh, Batman 666 in the maze that they've, that they've added there. And I actually kind of like the idea that he's, he's hallucinating the worst self that Damien can be. Mm-hmm. So issue five, uh, the labyrinth stuff, I was reading it on DC Universe. So when it flips upside down, when I try to turn it, it turns with it. Oh, oh yeah. I have, to, I have to, yeah, I had to like oh. make adjustments in order for me to be able to read it. I didn't think about that. Uh, that, oh, wow. was, that was something. Yeah, but um, that that whole labyrinth scene, I was looking forward to because that's some of the trippiest, messed up stuff in the entire book. They barely do anything. It's yeah. like what you were saying earlier, Sparks. They had a tidal wave. They didn't do anything. You have the labyrinth. You have Bruce Wayne going insane in there. You barely in, do anything. Fairness, in fairness, Ben, uh, I think the idea of shortening what they're doing with the labyrinth in this me- in this medium works better as a story point than the okay. tidal wave in the last movie. Okay, okay, I'll take I, that. I, I would arguably agree with Brandon. Um, yeah. I think that because of, of time constraints, uh, I would still alter the action scenes of the third act and the second act. I would change the invasion of the Batcave to be in the second act and a capturing of Batman that leads to him and being in the labyrinth and make the labyrinth and Talon and him battling the court of owls, the third act. And bad. I think that overall would have been stronger and allowed you to play the labyrinth yeah. as a bigger feature uh, <clears throat> and put the armor Batman stuff earlier. So yeah, one like, thing I did like though, was like the symbolism <clears throat> in the, um, 
and I, the symbolism in the flashback where an owl is flying away after the night Bruce's parents got shot, you see an owl fly away with a bat in his claw, in his claw, in his talons. Oh, that brings up a good point. Again, this is something as someone who loves the comic. If I didn't read the comic, I wouldn't know this. But it's Damien who finds out about the Court of Owls before Bruce does, mm-hmm. and. The whole thing with, with the Court of Owls comic is like Bruce, his entire life, he thought the Court of Owls, he looked into it and they didn't exist. He is the smartest, most brilliant detective, and he finished the case. Turns out the case is way open. He's way wrong. And I didn't feel that impact in this movie like I felt in the comics. But again, that's because I, I know the source material. Like, right. I think if you're watching just this movie, you still find out about the Court of Owls. Like, oh, who's this mysterious society? It still works. I think, I think all I would have done is I would have made sure I included the moments of Bruce going into buildings like the Wayne Manor and, and finding yes. a room that didn't ex- that he didn't know was there yes. that the Talons had been in, that the Court of Owls had been in. Yeah. Uh, and him being like, oh my God, they're really in here. Yeah. And I didn't see it. Also, Tully called Samantha being an owl the first time I saw her on screen. Uh, I, yeah. I, I called her being an owl. I didn't call her being the, the, the grand, grand master. Yeah. The yeah. grand master. That was yeah. a surprise that I that even when they showed us the the uniform, I'm like, are they are they saying that she's him? Because I'm not. Yeah. I don't think I get it. And then yeah. it wasn't until like she saw the and it zoomed in. It was like, uh, uh. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna run through some notes. I think the whole uh, mantra "justice, not vengeance" for Damien is really cool. Yes, uh-huh. I, like, I like him dealing with that. Um, yes. Especially <laughs> in the next movie, I really like that moment in the next movie. I'm glad that they included the bit about Bruce's dream for Gotham's future uh, from the comics, but I kind of wish it hadn't been something he shared privately with Sam. I wish he had done the social press event we see in the comics where he's talking about it, and that had been something that Damien was left out of, and Damien feels that more. And and again, like uh, making Talon your main villain just doesn't make sense to me. When you have Lincoln March, who is Owlman, the leader of the Owls, who is Bruce Wayne's quote-unquote brother, the drama could have been so much more intense dealing with family stuff with Bruce and Damien, bringing his maybe brother into this. Like, that, again, the, their choices of choosing what they pick from the source material baffles me because it always feels like they're picking the C-list <clears throat> approach. They're, mm-hmm. never take, they're never taking the A-list approach, it feels like. I don't, it just, it's weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like the Damien Batman. We touched on that earlier in the Labyrinth. I, I actually think that stuff is visualized pretty well. His scratch uh, with the eye, like that's all there. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Talons melt. Yes, I, yeah. think they, I think they do, but not. But it's not explained well in this com- in this movie. I know it's a short animated film, but I didn't care for the zombie-ness of the Talons rather that's- than actually having personalities where yes. they speak and say things to Bruce and because things they, like that. That's what they, they are. They are zombies, but they also are people with personalities. They're, they're people with personalities, yeah. and it makes them more haunting because they're constantly goading him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, having you didn't have, you have Nightwing be a character in this, and you don't do anything with his past. How he was supposed to be chosen as one of the Court of Owls. He's the son of Grace. You Grey. know what? I think I'm okay with them not doing the Grace and stuff. Been, it would have been too much. It would have been too much. I agree. I just, and, I, and I'll be honest, I don't. I didn't like the Grace and stuff. When I, re- when I read the book, as much as I praise Snyder's uh, run on Batman, the there are a couple of things that I didn't much care for, Mr. Priest's origin and the Grey Sun stuff with him being uh, potentially a Talon. That stuff it didn't I, really I, land from... I, I know it's, it's, it's... To me, it's just kind of fine, but it doesn't really like... The, the idea isn't really present there because they don't really commit to it. And, and in fact, they've never committed to it even after. No, yes. And that's, that's yeah, uh, I do agree. Uh, yeah. It just... 
again, when when you decide to do a Cordoval story <laughs> and you leave out just so much of what makes it cool and important, it's mm. just like why even do it? Like again, Talon is not a villain. I don't understand why he is the final villain of the movie. He, it doesn't uh, make sense. I, I think that brings up a good point that I think um, regardless of like the high points or the low points that we're talking about with these animated films, I do feel like their choices are largely drawn to visual desire over substance. Yeah. And I think that re is reflected all the time in the movies, even the good ones, uh, that they care more about like the visual things they can play with, but they don't care about the context of them and they don't care about the meaning of them as much. And I think that shows because that's how you end up having like Talon in the third act, not really having strong emotional motivation or Orm not having anything deeper than I just want to fight the surface world because I'm gonna kill my mom because I'm going to fight Arthur because. Uh, when the source material lays things out for you to play with and they just ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, shall we move into the next film? Sounds good, unless anyone else has. No, cool. All right, Batman oh, Bad Blood. Sorry, sorry, real quick. Batman versus Robin is a bad title for it. Yes, it is. Yes, it's a bad title. Uh, yeah. Bad, bad. They title. fight once for a little bit, maybe. Um, so, uh, Batman Bad Blood is the next film in our journey. Um, it is the third, it is the kind of the end of the Batman trilogy, I guess that they, they did. Um, yeah. and this is the one where I realized that thematically, maybe not story, storytelling wise or, or plot wise, but like thematically, these are the live action Batman movies I've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Gangs, uh, super villains, Batman dealing. Yeah. All this is what His I want. Family? Yeah. hundred percent. And, and so I was watching this and watching him build the family and, and begrudgingly not like the family. And I think Batwing probably doesn't need to be there, but I do kind of like his inclusion to, to like fill up the family. Mm -hmm. um, having that stuff, I'm like, you know, if they had just done, if this is a Batman move, a live action trilogy and it ends with him having like a complete family, I'm into that. I like that a lot. 100%. But the uh, thing is, not, he's not begrudging about having the family because when he says those things about Luke and Kate coming in, he's under mind control. No, I know. I'm, I was. It, it wasn't an example towards this, towards <laughs> this movie. It was an example of like how he would, how he has in the comics dealt with his family. Sure. Uh, okay. At the time, he's more accepting. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy that 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 storytelling, and and I would like that in a live action uh, format. So, like I said, thematically, this is what I want in a live action series. Sure. Um, and because of that, I think this is my favorite of the three. Yeah, I uh, looking back uh, again because I've watched all these movies at least once, except for the newest ones. Uh, these Batman movies are better than I remember all of them. Even if like the first one was fine, these last two that we watched that we're talking about today, I think they're all they're they're good. Uh, yeah. And I definitely agree that I had a New Fifty Two bias that I was bringing into this. I'm like, this isn't what I want. I'm just gonna disagree instead of just looking at the product. Uh, yeah. And I think I think what they're doing with the Batman stuff more than anything else is really is working for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I said it before, and now I'll reference it again. You really, really shouldn't watch Son of Batman. Talon <laughs> makes zero sense. Oh my God! Between Lord and this movie are practically different. She's characters. a loving mother. She hates them all. Uh, and, and Talia didn't have definable reason for her actions in Son of Batman to begin with, but at least uh, I would rather just have the Talia here. And the Son of Batman stuff, you, you really don't need... It's only confusing when you think about it rather than making sense. Um, I have no idea 
why they felt the need to do Talia that way in Son of Batman. I didn't like it when we first watched it. I really don't like it in hindsight of this one. It's a 180 character reversal. Like she she goes from being like a loving mother to be like, I need to keep my arm my son at arm's length at all times. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's definitely not the same character I just and, saw. And acknowledging like the continuity of how this is supposed to be a connected universe, it's not even relevant to her at all that Bruce saved her life by putting her in the pit. That has nothing to do with anything. Is nope. it, Do they even mention forget it? That, no, forget nope. that movie. Yeah. And again, like, uh, that Jer- Jer- Jervis Tech, Jer- Jervis Chet, uh, the Mad Hatter, gets his head blown off. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. A bunch of Batman villains are dying left and right. That's I don't like, mind that you kill the Mad Hatter. That's He's fine, like, but they're still dying. Yeah. It's like, why well, kill them off like that? Ben, if you have a problem with them killing off villains, I got bad news for you about that Harley Quinn show. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually that's in that show. Not a lot. Um, <laughs> it's when they're killed without motivation or reasoning. That's the yeah, problem. That, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what uh, like it's kinda eh, about it. So this well, is so so this is uh so this is what I mean. The, this is the one that Honestly, and I think they do, do a, a good job of it. Um, this is a, a adaptation of the entire Grant Morrison Batman run. <laughs> lots, lots of stuff. It's crazy. Like, so it's, it, it's, it, it goes from his solo Batman run to his Batman and Robin run to his exactly. Batman Inc. run into the New 52 with Heretic. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, holy it's, crap. It's literally like 10 years of comics in an hour and 20 minute mm. movie. It's, and they even include 52, which is the first appearance of Batwoman. And, and the I, new fi- and the second run, the second run of Batwing, not even the first run, the second run of Batwing. For the most part, I think it does most of it good, and it's I do too. It's 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 a it's again like when you so all of these characters were kind of introduced really in like the Court of Owls because that's like when like the family got attacked, right? So like I feel like a lot of these characters should have been introduced in the previous movies, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're introduced now is whatever. Uh, I think all of them are good additions. I really like yeah. the interpretations of all the characters. I was watching this film. I was kind of like, you know what? If Bruce Wayne doesn't come back at the end of this movie, I think I'm okay. So I actually, um, I told Ryan this right after we finished it. I have a real big issue with, dick grayson portrayal in this specifically in the sense that again this being a connected universe there has been maybe one scene where dick and bruce have actually been dick and bruce not bruce under mind control talking to each other yeah and everything else is just dick grayson saying yeah i had to get away from the the back the The shadow and i'm like there's no contextual relationship in this film for Dick and Bruce. The only and yeah. because that feels like that should be the heart of this movie, Dick Grayson, uh, and his relationship with Bruce. Uh, I I wish that were done better. I wish there were some kind of like flashbacks of their life together or something for Dick to be carrying. So I get the relationship beyond me knowing the comics. Yeah, beyond me. No, this is this is. So you you touched on a really good point. This is still because. They decided to build a universe with these films. Um, surprised they still have the, they still have this problem. I guess it's hard to break. But this film this film series is still relying on the sort on on the um, on the audience's predetermined uh, interpretations of these characters. Um, you you already you already go in with the with the, with the knowledge of these things. This is this is like if if Marvel made Iron Man with the assumption that everyone just knows Iron Man. Right. And, and like, let's be clear. No, it's even, Iron Heart. It's making Iron Heart with you assuming who Iron Man is. Let's be clear. So even what? when you read comics like that, if you're reading like a standalone run, like when I jumped in 
to the Batman Court of Owls. Even if it was something I wasn't familiar about from the comics, comics are great, and they contextualize it for you in the moment. Yeah. This movie is not contextualizing Dick and Bruce's it relationship. It expects you to just know that they were Batman and Robin, but when this is its own thing, you, you, you shouldn't have to have that preconceived notion. You need to see Dick and Bruce fighting to see why Dick is the way he is. Why he See, when they were... Right, when they were making the standalone movies before they decided to interconnect them, they could get away with stuff like that because those are they're just adapting stories or the whatever, and you it's the one movie. Now, sure. now they they're going into this is a universe with these characters. You need to to build the legwork so that we feel it when these when a significant thing happens to these characters. As someone who's read way too much Nightwing, I go into this movie with all my preconceived notions, so I know what I am looking for when I see. Uh, Dick Grayson not wanting to be Batman but doing it because it's like there needs to be Batman. For people who don't read comics if they don't know who Dick Grayson is then there's not enough there to why why yeah. does he not want to be Batman? I don't feel that but it's not, that, I know that regular people right. I mean, not that, even- said, that said I like I like the dynamic between him and, and Damien. I think that when he's Batman I think that stuff is well done. Absolutely. That stuff is well done. Um, it's a shame that uh, Bruce and Damien's relationship is well built in the previous movie and it carries on well into this movie and just his his association with Bruce, even though they're not in a bunch of scenes, you, you understand it because of the last movie, their relationship. It's very closely tied in. Dick Grayson was in the last movie too. There was room to build these pieces so that when you get here, you actually understand in the moment beyond like just shallow words what Dick's feelings about Bruce are. You yeah. understand why that's important to him. You understand the impact of him having to take up the mantle of Batman beyond them telling you. Because telling me isn't enough. Yeah. Uh, they don't do it in a way that actually sells me on the emotional arc. And that should be part of what feeds the dynamic between Bruce, uh, sorry, between Damien and Dick. And yeah. while their relationship is good, it should be bouncing off of the relationship between Dick and Bruce because that's the heart of this movie. As And as good as I think the voice acting, uh, the guy who does Dick Grayson mm-hmm. is, and he has that one scene in the Batmobile where 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 Damien's like, man, you've just you've been waiting for my father to disappear so you yeah. can be Batman. Uh-huh. And Dick uh, pulls over and he's like, I never wanted to be Batman. You don't know what it's like for me to have to put a suit on. Again, I've read the comics. I know what he's feeling. People who are watching this for the first time, this is the only reference they get to why he doesn't want to be Batman. You need more than that. You need more than one line. It's going back to going back to the last movie real quick. Um, I really like it when, uh, just in general, this is not a criticism or a, or a compliment towards the movie. Just in general, I like it when Bruce and 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 Dick fight together, like yeah. they do the back to back and they do and they work together. I always like that stuff. But as a fan of the comics, like I know, I I know these two characters. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, you have yeah. to think about and the regular and Joe and who's watching this. Who's, who, all of their context mm-hmm. is coming from this an hour and twenty minutes. Hour and twelve. Hour and, twelve. And this is the this is the thing is like the movie we just talked about, Batman versus Robin. There was room if you know these are connected movies, and especially because this was literally the next one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this is one they made a few years later. This was the next one. There was room to put Dick and Bruce interactions that would pay off on this film. And they didn't do it. They didn't do the legwork in the previous one, and they don't do enough legwork here. Yeah. That being said, um, I do still love all all the, like you said, Brandon, mm-hmm. the interactions between Batman, Dick, and Damian Robin because yeah. that's that is that's my that's my favorite Batman run is the Batman who smiles and the Robin who's an asshole. That's because that's the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Uh, and there was enough of that in this movie that I really liked. Uh, and yeah. I just think Grayson is such a dope character, and I love that he's the star in this one. 
Um, so, so, so thematically, I really like the uh, not ju uh, justice, not vengeance. Yes. Uh, that yeah. that comes back to that when yeah, he's trying to save back. the guy. Yes. When he's trying to save Tusk. Uh, yeah, and then he falls to his death anyway. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, I like that moment a whole lot. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I uh, I do like the working of Batwoman. Um, I don't know how much I I like the. I guess it was necessary, but like the the Dick and Kate being the the relationship rather than Kate being Bruce's cousin. Sure. Um, well, there wasn't really there wasn't in the original Detective Comics run. It was after Bruce was dead when he, she was when she debuted. So. Yes, I I understand that like it wasn't originally that way, but by the time this movie came out, it had happened in the yeah. comic, and I and I. I think that would have been a stronger choice uh, to have her have a more uh, it, honestly because these movies have to get through things quick. It is a better way to establish why Kate is involved. It's a yeah. better way to make her connected immediately than having to do some weird legwork about her and Dick. Yeah, her and Dick can still have a relationship with her being Bruce's cousin. Is the legwork even done? I don't recall. Did they even mention that she is his cousin in this movie? No, no they don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm, I wish that that pretense was there to make things smoother. Mm -hmm. Because it, because it was a thing they'd done at that point. They could have. Um, there's a there's a moment. Uh, uh, the vault. Uh, the the action in the vault scene yeah. specifically is really good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the next, uh, I don't remember what the next action piece was specifically. Um, but whatever the next action piece was, it's not the third act. Uh, it was sloppy in comparison. I thought the vault was really good. And then whatever the next action scene was, I was like, this is very, oh, it's, it's, it's after they fight the ninjas. Oh yeah. 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 Which ninjas is a great name. Yeah, that is. Ryan is um, really about the ninjas. Here he comes. Ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that kind of bugged me is that at the end of verses, Robin goes off to the Himalayas and at the beginning of this movie, he comes back. I don't like it when things happen like that in movies. Like it's just like a big, a big change, a big character change happens. Next movie, never mind. Like you don't see the change. You just like, oh, it happened. Cool. Yeah, it happened off screen between movies. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I also I at least appreciate that. I felt like Damien comes back out of need rather than you know just because it, it at least feels like he knows that Bruce is gone, so yeah. he's coming back. Um, I like that that's at least the motivating factor, but I do kind of agree with you. Like, I, I wish there had been something a little clearer. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. Avatar Roku is the voice of uh, Alfred in this one. It really threw me off. Uh, Alfred's a badass. Yeah. He's a badass. Oh, my God. Don't get me wrong. Badass, yes. But the second one I hear Avatar Roku's voice coming out of the outfit that I got used to the past previous films kind of threw me off a little bit. So consistency. Again, no consistency. Yeah, exactly. Wait. So. I think the the Alfreds are the same. I thought no, it's a different Alfred. Here, keep talking because I was watching NCIS and Alfreds in that, and that that, that threw me. <laughs> Too many Alfreds. Uh, yeah. Um, I think. Does this I mean, movie have the best action scenes of of the three? I think, or, or maybe even all of them. 
Uh, I was saying that I feel like the third act is really strong and the action in the vault is really strong. Yeah. I thought the action around the ninja stuff, like right after the ninjas are there, is kind of sloppy. I think it's actually kind of bland yeah. uh, in comparison to other action things we've seen in these in these animated films. It's another one of those times where I was watching it and I'm like, you're animated. You're animated. You can be more interesting than this. They're ninja nuns. Uh-huh. The fights, <laughs> like, uh, when they're aboard the watchtower... Um, like I like all those fights, like like Luke fighting uh, a Firefly and Atalia fighting. Uh, uh, who's Atalia fighting? What was her name? Uh, uh, I don't know the names of Onyx. anyone. It wasn't Firefly or Mad Hatter or the Onyx. Harry. I don't know the yeah. name of any of them. Uh, yeah, it's Onyx. I think we're good. Uh, the there's some weird pacing. Uh, early in the film around Luke Fox and when they're discussing like him having been in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. It's just like oh, yeah. weirdly cut into two other scenes that have nothing to do like, with him. Sure it's just like, uh, it. yeah, let's have Luke talk. And I'm like, you just had him and Lucius a little bit ago. You could have just tagged this on. Yeah. It was weird. Um, yeah. I really wanted to specifically cite this because it, it's an egregious example to me, but it is a, a, a problem that I'm sure you could find tons of tiny examples of it throughout these animated films. Um, some of the dialogue in these movies is very stilted and one note, and it's very simple and it's overly obvious. And I hate it when that happens because not only is it usually written poorly where it's like they're stating something I can visually see because it's an animated movie and they're stating it again. Uh, that happens a lot. Or it's delivered poorly often. Uh, even though we have talented voice actors, those lines are so just stiff and and they don't work and they're not well versed uh and the example i have from this one that really just like i was like really that's that's the line here uh was kate flirting with renee and she says did i really say that out loud uh, and there's oh, no genuine emotion to that there's it, it, it is so just blit uh and it, it's a bad line it's a bad line read uh, and it happens a lot in these movies, but that one I was just like, "Whoa, what? The, that was <laughs> terrible. That was just it's one, terrible." It's one of the things that I that I talk about when I talk about stiff animation. I'm not just talking about the movements; I'm talking about the faces. Mm. A lot of the time in these movies, these movies specifically, the uh, facial animation is is just the mouth, so yeah. the eyes stay the same. So you don't really get a lot of emotion coming from the eyes being expressive. The eyes are just stilted. However, no matter what emotion comes out of the mouth, the eyes contradict that, and that 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 bugs me. The only time that that isn't true is with the Bat family because they, when they're wearing their masks, their eyes do the squinting and stuff, and that actually does add emotion. But you're right when it's just people with what is regular eyes, people, they yeah. add nothing, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Talia comes back. Hmm? Talia comes back. She kills um. Yeah, she, yep. She's she's so she's cool in this. Uh, n like again. Uh, when you get to the point where she kills Heretic in front of Damien, I was like, this is just straight up not the same woman from Son of Batman. Yeah. It's impossible. This is impossible to be the same person. Uh, it does not compute. Uh, awful. Awful. But in this film, I'm like, cool, this is the Talia yeah. I'd, I'd want. And again, if we were watching these back to back, like these these movies come out years apart, but if but when you watch them so close together, you notice when the character stuff well, doesn't line is, up. But this is just one year apart. Is it? It is the next movie. Well, hold on, no, because uh, before Throne of Atlantis, there was there was there was the Batman and Throne of Atlantis, then this one. Oh, sure. Oh, you're talking about some of Batman. I'm talking about Talia. Sorry, yeah. um, yeah. No, yeah, just like Talia is such a different character. I'm just like, 
what do you what, did you even see that did you even watch your own movie what's going on yeah yeah um but i do think the third act is is pretty strong uh i like the the method because i know up until the final like we, we weren't sure what the motivation was uh it took a while to get there but like using bruce wayne's influence to influence the leaders of the world to take over the world that make that's cool i like that idea uh uh, yeah, originally I was saying uh, Talia is another villain that has no clear motivation. She just has Bruce and is reprogramming his memories because... It did take until like the final act to realize what the plan was, and it took a long time to realize, okay, this is what they were going for. It just took to the very end of the movie, but it was... Alfred uh, Alfred kills the Mad Hatter. Oh, man. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a badass. Um, I did really like uh, Dick talking Bruce out of the shooting of Damien, which, woof, Dahlia, yes. what oh, the yeah. yeah, Yeah. Um, however, again, I just wish there was more to that moment. There was more connection built to that moment. Yeah. But I do think it's a good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I'm good. Yeah. I, I am, I will say, um, all of these have been all of them have been better than I remember. Some of them are still not great, but um, I'm definitely glad that we're doing this because, like we talked about, the bias of the new 52, I think it stink is is running off of me. And I can just yeah. allow things to be things, even if they're still just fine. And Batgirl. And, and, I think, and Batgirl for five oh, seconds. Oh, yeah. That, I, I think you should introduce Batgirl before you introduce Batwoman, but whatever. Whatever. I don't think that that moment should have happened. No, I think no, it should be the entire Bat family jumping off the building and not have the Batgirl tease at all. I'm because, like, I did again, not need that. If you don't read comics, you don't know who that is or why that's important. Batgirl. So the Bat. next, the next Batman, the next Batman film is Batman Hush. So a lot of these things we won't see come up again until many movies down the line. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, that that's uh that's it for this three. Woo! Unless Sparks, you have anything more to add? Did you have any more notes you wanted to read out? I went through my notes. I'm good. Um, I, I think I, I think I did sound a little. Uh, I'll just say I did think I sounded a little harsh on uh, Bad Blood more than I, I I did enjoy it. I just find like the Dick Grayson thing. It, it it's one of those things where it frustrates me because it's it's so obvious how you could make this movie really good. Yeah, and they didn't go for it. Uh, it's just so very clear that you you change that one thing, you make the Dick Bruce relationship stronger, and the whole movie's much better. Uh, and that always like irks me when it's just like one one really big flaw and would it, fix everything. And again, all these movies are like an hour ten, hour twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Adding a one to two minute scene is not going to destroy your runtime. No. So to add yeah. it, so like again, all of these choices that they decide to make just it's it's. I want to be in that room. We're like, what if we took the cool idea and made it real lame? What if we did that for everything? I'm just like, who's who? Oh, 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 you guys are crazy. Um, so next week, we're not going to do it the next three. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say real quick. I did wish that there had been some kind of, <clears throat> once Bruce is actually Bruce again, there had been some kind of more cathartic moment between him and the Bat family uh, to pay off the, the horrible dream he has. Oh, when yeah. he's under the memory control and he's being dragged down into the water, doesn't it end with him like like saying "f you" to all of them, basically? Like, doesn't it end with him like like? Um... No, no, no. He's with them on the roof and everything. Oh, I'm thinking of the last movie. I'm just Sorry. saying. I'm, I'm just saying. Movie, I'm Sorry. just saying. Before they got to the roof, I wish there had been something a little more cathartic between them. Gotcha. Yeah. 
yeah. so next week we're not going to do the next three uh, because Artemis Fowl is going to drop on Disney Plus. So we'll touch on that. Um, <laughs> so the the week after we will do part three with Justice League versus Teen Titans, uh, Justice League Dark, and Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. I think all of those movies are good, from my memory. So just, this is going to sound bad, but I'm just glad we're not watching another Batman one for a while. Yeah, he got. There's he a lot of a lot of Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne is in uh, all of these, all three of these movies. Yeah, but it's not solely centered not around him. Not focused. <clears throat> so much inspiration. Um, Welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Shop. Yeah. Hi. Um. Do you have any? Books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? So, uh, that'll do it. So let's get into our book club. Uh, Sparks, this was your turn to pick a book. Let's get yeah. into it. Do we want to do our preamble? Yes, let's do it. Yes. Uh, do you want to... Just, just so, hey, we're going to be talking about real <clears throat> life issues, real political issues. They shouldn't be political, but we're, ta- we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. Our, the book that we're uh, referencing uh, deals with that in very heavy ways. So from now on, shit's getting real. If you don't want to be part of it, I understand, but you should really listen to everything we have to say. And uh, because the graphic novel has so much to do with what's happening right now, we're also going to be talking about our current events. So if you just want to stop here, that's totally okay. Uh, No judgment, but we are talking very specifically about what the protests in our country are about right now, around the world, honestly. Around the world. uh, And we're talking about it because it's very heavily related in this graphic novel. And our graphic novel that we're talking about is called I Am Alfonso Jones. It's written by Tony Medina. It's illustrated by Stacey Robinson and John Jennings. And so we're talking about that today. Um, I picked this out because I was doing a lot of looking for um, a long time ago. We did March by John Lewis, who uh, was part of a lot of the uh, walks during the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King he's Jr. A, he's a civil rights Huge hero. activist. He's a civil rights hero. That's exactly true. And he did a fantastic trilogy of graphic novels called March. Uh, he's currently working on a new trilogy called Run. Um, <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and because of that, I was thinking about that in relation to the moment we're in. And I wanted to find graphic novels that are about Black Lives Matter, that are about systemic racism in our country. And it's a lot harder to find them than I think it should be. It's not that they don't exist. They're just very hard to find. Um, and I did land on uh, quite a few, but I talked with uh, Brandon, and I uh, decided that I think this one was the most relevant. Um, In this one, Alfonso Jones is a teenage black uh, American who gets shot by a police officer uh, because he was carrying a coat hanger that the police officer assumed was a gun. He was shopping with with a girl that he had had a crush on. He was trying out suits. It's... Uh, really important that I think that we acknowledge that this was published in 2017. And the most striking thing to me as I was reading is I'm like, I cannot believe that this was published in 2017 and how much this is basically just today. The the protest, the same, the protest that we went on today, everything that we were chanting is is in in this book book years ago and has been, it has been in, has been uh, preached for years now. Um, This book is, is one, a really great comic, but a really fascinating look into real history using fiction and using ghost trains. Um, this book rules. Uh, it's, I don't even know where to start. Uh, it's about this kid who dies, who was shot, and it's his 
almost like his like like if you think of like the movie Black Panther, his journey with his ancestors, but real ancestors, the real struggles that all people have actually gone through. And and and, and uh, many of these ancestors that he encounters on the train after he's after he's shot, he's in the afterlife, he's a ghost, and he's encountering all these other black Americans who, who have who have been killed by police violence, and they're all real. And when you get to the end of the book, there's an entire wall of these of their names and when they died and this is how bad this is in our country and this is just the ones who have been shot by the police this isn't even getting into it, it it's insane um but i thought that was really cool that uh tony medina really specifically wanted to incorporate real uh clear historical um accuracy and figures and people who who were lost uh and this is really how they were lost in these police violent moments and things that were said about them in those moments. Um, and I think that this also, uh, through the way that they tell the story, because Alfonso Jones is going back and also visiting all the people in his life and what's happening in the country after he was shot, he's able to get to watch this perspective of his name being dragged through the mud, the entire perception of him being changed by the media in order to accommodate the officer, what his family and friends go through. Uh, and I thought that was really fascinating. What did, what did you guys think about the book? Well, I was going to say just keep it on the comic book uh, for a minute. Um, I think the the book is a really quick read. It's written very well. Um, it it, just, it moves at a clip. Uh, there was never a moment where, when it where it lagged or anything. Um, and I think the artwork is is beautiful. I really like that type of black, white, gray artwork. Yes. Um, and I don't I don't see it utilized enough, honestly. But I really I really liked it. Nice. Uh, funny enough, one of the comics that did it really well for a decade for a decade was the walking dead that was oh, yeah, that's true that was black and white that's true 109 but it's the it's the gray tones that i really like so Stefan cedric used it when in his when he was doing harleen um sketches just for fun before oh, yeah. that kind of like grayscale black and white the, the kind of like faded and faded grays i really like that and that's what i get in this comic also yeah, I, I really like the presentation of all all the pieces of this, the the visualization of the of the characters, of the moments, the way that the uh, the art will focus on the impactful moment of the piece rather than like painting the entire picture necessarily. Uh, the way that the structure of it has Alfonso Jones bit by bit revisiting the moment he was shot, and you're yeah. getting more and more of the details as it's coming back. You don't to him. know what happened. You don't realize what happens to him until much later. Like you, you see the very first page of him getting shot, but you don't know what. There's no words. You don't know. I think there's no words, right? You don't know what that means. No, there's no. The, the opening of it is that cha it's called Chapter One: Prelude to a to a disc yeah. bullet. Prelude to and, a kiss. That's uh, funny. And yeah. uh, so the bullet is it's just black with the bullet moving. But I mean, on like, the page, the, and then when you go to the next page, yeah. it is the image of the bullet hitting him, and you don't and know you why. Have no context. Yet. Yeah, and it takes you until like 15, 20 pages later, where you realize he was shot for shopping. Uh, and this is a fictional story, but using real-world uh, uh, bullshit. Um, the, the, the shooting of Alfonso Jones specifically, Tony Medina talks about it in the author's note at the end. Uh, Alfonso Jones's case is specifically based off uh, a black American who was killed because he was holding a BB gun in a store. He was just looking at a BB gun. Yeah. Yeah. In, a pl in the spot where they sell them, he was standing right there and he was shot because he was holding it. Uh, and that's what he based this on, but he wanted to, to bring it down to the hangar uh, to to make it a little clearer, like you know, it it's still is like yes, one hundred percent that would happen. Um, yeah. Ben, what do you think? This book is heavy. Uh, yeah. It's heavy yeah. for it, it definitely is, and I, I thought this was 
printed 2019, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought this was printed, I mean, like you said, it came out in 2017, but I felt that You could tell me that this was printed this week, today, and I'd believe it. You told me you could. Like, there was, uh, I remember there was this one page where a protester was holding a sign that said, say her name, and I thought it was referenced to Brianna Taylor. Sure. Right? And now that, and then of course they say, hey, this came out 2017, it's like, there was no way. But it does fit today's climate, which is, it's sad and it's horrifying that that has to happen. Um, this book, uh, there are times where I was a little confused on what was going on, especially with the, the ghosts and the, what was going on. But as I kept reading it, I was finding out more things. Like I was finding out how his his mom was dealing with it, how his father, who was supposed to be released, that's the part that hurt a lot, was that his father was supposed to be released from jail the next day. And then right. his son gets shot and murdered. Um, yeah. How his fr- how um, his friend, who's uh, the girl that he has a crush on, her name it starts with a D. I can't remember what it is. I just wrote this, read this a few hours ago too. But how she's trying to deal with Danetta. Danetta, thank you. How she's dealing with his death. How she's trying to find some semblance of of normalcy, but instead she's going straight back into it. The like when the all the people who interview like when the the Fox News, even though it's Ox News, when they come up say, "We," I thought it was a riff on Bill O'Reilly trying to talk about, just trying to demoralize or victim or villainize someone who was wrongfully shot. And I, and even though it's not technically Fox News, and I just try to stay far away from that network as humanly possible, I felt like that is easily something they could pull. Probably is something they've pulled. I'm, I'm willing to bet that someone could easily just pull up a clip on YouTube is like, this is what they did to an innocent person who was shot and murdered by police who should not have been shot in the first place. Sure. And it's like, this feels so real. Like Brandon said, this could have been printed this week and I would not have realized it. it's two years old, three years old. The part of it is even though Alfonso Jones is a fictional character, most of the people he's interacting with are real people yeah. who have been murdered, uh, whether it was 200 years ago or a week ago. Uh, and that's the thing that I love about this book the most is this is a very educational book. And I learn a lot of things about black history, black culture that, you know, you I always talk about like I love a fresh perspective, whether it's, you know, the, the, a female perspective or a black perspective. Like you learn so much about this going on our protest today. Like. It, it, it's so inspiring to like you standing up to injustice. Dude, there was a lady in our protest who was in her car and she saw all of us protesting and she was so happy. She got out of her car, she parked her car and she joined us because, and she was a black lady. She saw how much we cared and how important this is to not hurt, hurt but to the whole world. And I'm like, this book, like I've never heard of this book. That's a problem. That's a serious problem. Like, and I'm so glad you picked this book. This, uh, this... It, it's, it's so powerful. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a powerful uh, time. And like this book is is very good for the movement. Yeah, uh, I I wish that more piece of literature like this, like March, were things that we were we were given in in school. There's been a lot of like I know Brandon and Ryan and I at least have been noticing on Twitter. Not to knock you, Ben. I just I just know that I've seen them retweeting some of the same stuff of mm-hmm. us just talking about how like we are deprived of things in this country when we learn history in school that really happened and we don't learn about it until we're in our late 20s just like when we were watching watchmen and none of us knew about the tulsa massacre did you guys know that central park used to be a black community and that they kicked all the black people out using eminent domain so they could make central park i learned that yesterday there was a thriving black community of hundreds of people that they kicked out of that city yeah uh and this this happens regularly every day and i wish that schools 
had more opportunities to provide this kind of literature. Some things that I thought were super striking in this book, one that I mean, like uh, I, it, it made me freeze on the page for a while was when I was reading a part where I'll, they were talking about how Alfonso Jones was at a protest in the past. Yeah. And he was out there chanting, hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe. And I was like, my God, we're still right here. Yeah. This yeah. is so horrible. And and then it's immediately followed by the person on the news trying to say that this is that it, it was okay that he was shot regardless of the fact that he was just holding a hanger because he clearly didn't like the police. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's all that really mattered. Um, and a, a couple of other things that really got me is there's a part where Alfonso's talking about how they have repainted him to be a thug. And it shows Alfonso's outfit being changed in the mm -hmm. moment to fit the perception that they're painting of him. He's wearing a, a cap that says thug now. His pants are dropping low. So he's like a stereotype of, of what they want you to be afraid of. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was that was a chillingly powerful image. And the other part that I really thought was was interesting, um, and and I think probably uh, one of the hardest parts I think Tony Medina had to. I'm this is me extrapolating. This isn't me saying I know this, but I would assume this was one of the hardest parts for Tony Medina to think about how to handle was when Alfonso Jones is watching the officer who shot him. Yeah, and it provides no real answers. What it shows is an officer who, in public settings, is living his life and loving it and seems to have not a care in the world. And in private, seems to have some kind of weight on his shoulders. It's not saying it's him shooting Alfonso, but something is wrong. Something is hurting that man. Uh, and I thought that was also a powerful perspective to add. Um, because, And I like that it doesn't say it's because he shot Alfonso. It, do it doesn't say what it is. It's mm -hmm. just, here's here's you know, what one, what one is in public is not necessarily what one is in private. Um, and it, it, I don't think that that's any justification necessarily. It's just trying to flesh out that everything is complicated yeah. and everything is bad uh, on all ends of that. Um, and I really appreciated that that was something he incorporated into the book. Um, Tony Medina writes a lot of poetry. Yeah. Uh, before he wrote this, he's a, he's a poet uh, a published poet and the way he incorporated that through Hamlet, I usually find things like that where they try and do something that's literally just called hip hop Hamlet that would usually make me roll my eyes. But because this is handled first off, because it's a genuine black voice behind it, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, this is, uh, this is coming from somewhere, but the way that he incorporates that into the story, specifically focusing on the Hamlet's ghost stuff yeah, and how that, uh, you know, the killing of Hamlet's father is, a betrayal of uh, treachery by a brother and how that plays out as Alfonso is experiencing the life of being a ghost now who has been uh, betrayed by the larger community, by larger society of how they are deciding to paint him. Um, and all the stuff with, with the, uh, the theater teacher who is also yeah. like the, Mr. A, who's also a different teacher, like a sociology teacher yeah. or something. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. All the stuff with the theater stuff I really like because it was, it was people of all colors voicing their opinions and like the teacher like dealing with it in very direct ways and like you don't actually see that in real high schools at least i didn't because our teachers were too scared to talk politics uh i'd like, like to find, i'd cool. like to believe that it's happening more yeah i'd like to believe that there are teachers like like if i was in high school now i'd like to believe that some of these teachers would want to address what's happening right i grew now, up would uh, want to blatantly talk about in the there, south so it's because there is yeah. that part where mr Ob just flat out it challenges what one of the students is saying in the classroom where she's saying but there are still good cops and he's like i'm sick of that phrase 
I'm sick of the phrase that there are good cops too. It makes it seem that when people speak out against police violence, they're automatically judging all of the police. Mm -hmm. You can speak out against it and not be saying all police are bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought, and uh, I can't, I can't stress enough how how much I really liked the execution of uh, him being taken into the moments of the other ghosts, what happened to them uh, and, and how scary that is. And, and I think it's really cool that he was going to the school, uh, uh, Henry Dumas school, and he meets him at the end. Yeah. And uh, that, that is the most the like, uh, famous that, public yes, figure. Yes, silent. Right, the, the most famous public figure that he encounters in the book is, is the last one that he sees and it's it's hard not to be moved by what you read. And and the and the ending where um can you go to the final page so I don't misquote yeah. it? But like it's at the end where like where uh, uh Alfonso now like knows the journey that he's been on and now he's ready to like accept it with his is it a trumpet? What does he have? Armed with my trumpet and my ancestors, I do my part in the struggle for peace and justice. Because the whole thing is that these ghosts are on this train because they can't be at rest until justice is actually brought. No justice, no peace. Uh and so just more and more black people keep showing up on this train because there is no justice comes. And then now Alfonso is on is the next person to try his heart out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they even say it's like we, you know, where do you think they got the no justice, no peace? We whisper it in their ears. Yeah. Cool. I like that moment. Uh, I also I also really like this one. Another part I really liked uh, Medina's working in of Alfonso wanting to picture the fantasy of how he wants the trial to go. Oh yeah, uh, wouldn't it be uh -huh. lovely? This is how they pointed out how ridiculous it is to hold a fantasy gun next reality. to a hanger, and how can you misconstrue these two? And the reality is, well, we can't, you know, prosecute the officer because of blah blah. You know, uh, that that painting that image of what you want it to be and what it never is. Uh, really powerful another one of the scenes that actually hit hard was the scene with the um, police chief where they're saying that we have video of alfonso and danetta possibly shoplifting and they're like how'd you get this tape he's like oh don't worry we guys like we got through the investigation it's like no how did you get it yeah and, and every time uh they say like oh yeah the criminals oh you mean the teenagers like they, they kept challenging every time the cop said something because obviously that's bullshit and then of course they're like how does it and then it's like well they're, they're possibly shoplifting like it clearly see shows alfonso putting on a suit jacket taking off to try another one on it's not and, like they're stuffing it in their shirts or anything yeah and so it's, it's go ahead it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of of today's administration especially today's <sighs> presidential bless you uh sorry if i sneezed today's presidential administration where a reporter or a, a members of the press asks a point blank, easy yes or no question, and they derail it. They easily contradict something that is so plainly obvious to see that this is wrong. They you didn't you should not have acted the way you acted, and yet they're like, well, we didn't know this. There's other factors. It's like that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Of yeah. course you knew. You just acted. You just. I've constant and I've constantly seen signs of um protesters uh saying that how come someone who's supposed to be trained to carry a gun can act on impulse and black people need to be trained to compose keep themselves composed when facing a police officer well that goes to when the when his grandfather says i need mm -hmm. to we need to have the talk of how to conduct yourself he thinks it's the sex talk yeah. and it's he like thinks no, it's the sex talk. 
yeah, this is how you need to conduct yourself as a black man in America. And, and it's this whole list of rules. And they bring it up again at the yeah. protest where she's staying there and she's like, our lives, we've been told we have to be this, this, this. this. And it's just this, they visualize it with her her speaking it. But then at the bottom, there's just the list and it gets longer and longer and longer. Yeah. And it's bull. There's a there's a great moment um, where when Alfonso is watching, uh, uh, excuse me, what was her name again? Darnetta? Darnetta. And Danetta is now dating his friend Punky, right? And he's mad. He's mad about it, but he watches them, and he realizes that Punky actually has has he's learned, and he's sad about Alfonso's death, and he's become a poet. From he was a rapper, now he's a poet, and actually maybe it's a good thing that they're together. And it's like those kind of moments are like so strong because it's like because you think about all, like all the death, but you also think about like how this dude was in love with this girl, and he wants her mm-hmm. to be happy. And if that takes him being with his, her being with his best friend, so be it. It might have turns out Punky is a jerk, and he left her in, in a rally later. But uh, it's little moments like that that like, that punctuate this political message with love too. And I'm like, right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. nice. And they and they've come up with uh, it's happened now that we've made these comparisons as well. But in 2017, Tony Medina did make the comparison of a white man in his 20s going and shooting a school of kids, and he gets grabbed by the police peacefully and arrested, oh, not yeah. shot when he's. Oh, crime he killed 17 kids in this version he kills 17 kids and he, you get it all in just that one panel and he has a smile, smile. He has a just smile. looking like with a stupid smirk yeah and you're like this is crap this is crap yeah this is uh it is heartbreaking how much this should feel more like fiction and it doesn't yeah um because it's it's so so very accurate especially for the moment we're living in but um you know, all, the time, you gotta... all the time all the time you got you to hope that uh, that future generations will read books like this and think, wow, that's ridiculous. Which is, How is that ever a thing? Yeah, which is all the more reason why I wanted to, to do this. Uh, it's all the more reason why uh, I'm saying, like, what we got to do is we got to make sure that we're trying to bring as much attention to these kind of things as possible. Um, I am so grateful for us having a platform like this where even with our small amount of listeners and followers who I love, uh, I hope that you'll consider, even if it's not this book, find literature like this. Find the stuff that's going no. to support black creators in general. So, so I, so we've all heard of the comic book Mouse, one of the most famous comics ever, a piece yeah. of liter- literature ever. I didn't know about it until I was in college. Um, this book uh, and many other books. I know George Takei recently came out with a uh, with, yes. with one that I want to re- that I want to read, but those should be right up there with mouse as essential reading. I, I shouldn't be reading Catcher in the Rye in high school. I should be reading this. I should be reading yeah. Mark. I should be reading oh mouse. My God. So many books about old white people. Why? Come on. Yeah. Mouse. Yeah. I, I would definitely say mouse, this, um, oh, they March? should be, yeah, Mark, definitely March. March should definitely be put in the school curriculum. E- easy. It, it's no, I mean, I guess because Mouse, I know, I remember people saying how Mouse is such a great piece of literature, but it's also a great comic, but it's also a comic book. And I was like, yeah, but put March in there. Put uh, I Am Alfonso Jones. These are great books for. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's a shame that you have to go, you have to go searching for these. These should be mm-hmm. right there all together in one shelf. Yeah, like Mouse, put that in a history curriculum. I Am yeah. Alfonso Jones. Definitely. Yeah. Put that in the- yeah. I'll put it in a history curriculum. I learned it from what from an English class and a comic book class. I did not learn it in a, in a history class, and that's a pro- and that's a problem. 
hey, why are we uh, why are we learning about Mesopotamia instead of the history of Black people? What are we gonna do with Mesopotamia? Yes, I'm just curious. Well, I mean, I like I, about the history of our people. I like um, history a lot. I like world. I prefer world history to American history. I always did. Well, yeah, because um, American history one is not that old, and two, it's fucking awful. Well, well no, that's not the that's not the comparison I was saying. I was just saying I, I like studying uh, ancient world history, so I don't um, mind learning sure. about Mesopotamia. Hey, guess what? Slaves have always existed. It sucks. Um, but but it, but it is true. Our our history class, uh, our American history classes in America, uh, they they are not prepared for the they things they should be teaching. They are insanely yeah. whitewashed. Yeah, we know all about the white people who founded this country, but not about the black people who built this country. Um, punk, punky. Uh, is a character in this book who he and Alfonso Jones didn't get along in their real life um, but when he was alive. But uh, nonetheless, Punky comes to the protests that are related to Alfonso Jones, and he gives these two poems that are just really, really sad to think about. Um, just of him, hit, they're both directed at his mother, and they're, they're all about uh, the fear of him not coming home and the fear of uh all i did was uh walk into a store and they accused me of stealing and they dumped out all my stuff and there was nothing in there but that's all it took it, it just takes it just takes the word of someone saying i did something wrong and that's it then i'm guilty uh and th there's so many other moments like that this is a this, even though this is a quick read there's a lot packed in here um a lot to think on it's it, I think it is a strong representation of what's going on as a white man. How much can I really uh, experience of that? Not a lot, but this is this is a good way in my experience to to take the steps to put yourself in the shoes of others to try to understand as best as we can because we truly can't understand without living that life. There's a great there's a great quote going around. Like, I don't understand, but I stand with you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but but this is. The more that you read things like this, the more you can educate yourself on that experience. The more that we are, uh, I've always believed that the more that we're able to put ourselves in the shoes of others to try to see from their perspective, the more we can genuinely understand and appreciate them. And this is another book that offers in that same vein. Um, it is my intention uh, to find a way to share with everyone, the listeners and all that, a list of graphic novels that are related to systemic racism, that are related to these issues. Uh, I've been building it. I've been trying to find all the books that I can about it. Um, there are ones like I've mentioned March. Uh, I am Alfonso Jones. Uh, you've got March here. Um, there's also uh, The Silence of Our Friends. Nate Powell is the artist on this one. Uh, he's also the artist on March. He's actually the artist on a lot of books that have to do with similar issues. So that's been one of my resources for finding these. Um, if I get that list together, I'll probably post as my first blog post on our website. Um, but I will make people aware Beautiful. of when I can do something like that. Uh, it is wildly important that we draw as much attention as we can to these works because it doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the episode for the, for those of you who just want the book club and go. Here's the here's the rest of the talk. Yeah. Um, so when we went to the protest today, um, we live in a primarily white community, I would say, right? Or because it was mo at least for our protest, it was mostly white people, right? Mm, I don't know if I'd say that. No. No. I I feel like we we live. Well, Ben, what do you think? Because I would say that we live in a predominantly like Latin Latin X heritage okay. community. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, our, our, the, our neighborhoods are pretty well mixed, so I would definitely say 
I have to say the predominant, it would definitely be Latin. Yeah. I, I guess what I meant to say was there was more white people than I expected, which sure. was which was amazing, which was amazing. More, uh, more, more white people who weren't our age, more yeah. white people who were much older, and that impressed me. Yeah, and there were there were some young kids, there were some teenagers, there were some people in their sixties or seventies. It was it was people of all ages. Uh, and the thing about all ages is everyone can understand injustice, and unfortunately, for uh, a section of people in in our country and the entire world, uh, they are looked down upon for just the color of their skin. I don't get it. We don't get it. Uh, so we're just, I'm doing everything that I can to fight that, to speak out. Hey guys, if you have friends or family members, if you have friends or family members who are racist, you fight them. Okay. The only reason you should not fight them is if you can't afford it. If you can afford to not live with your parents, fight your racist parents. Cause you know what? You don't need them. They're not worth it. I know from experience. That's true. Fight injustice. Um, there's all kinds of things we can do without going to the protests. There are donations that can be done. Five dollars um, is is more than enough. There's there's uh, petitions. There are phone calls that can be made. There's um, there's a link. Valuable to look into your local communities mm -hmm. and what the vote is actually about. Um, we I didn't even know until we were at the protest today that we need to be voting uh, against our DA because our DA has not prosecuted one single officer for a case of police brutality. Uh, there have been 63 cases that that DA has not prosecuted a single one. Not can, a single I, one. can I chime in? Um, yeah. That that highlights something that I've that has been making me very frustrated this past week. We had curfews; they were lifted. Some cops got arrested. Not all the ones that should have. Um, it felt like it feels like to me that these gains that we're making are the bare minimum that the government is the bare minimum of the government, but they're deliberately doing so to shut us up. Sure. Yeah. No, yeah. they are. Um, there is a fantastic episode of New York Times, the daily podcast that came out this past week with the mayor of Minneapolis. Mm. And on there, he talks about how not just him, but the previous three mayors have all tried to champion police reform, but they literally cannot because the police union contracts are too airtight to give police far too much protection. And because all the pieces left in place for uh, police protection, allow for them to be rehired after being fired for shooting someone on the job. Yeah. There mm -hmm. are far too many protections for them. They need to be rewritten. There are police chiefs who have sued the department for the fact that they uh, don't allow them to do changing of the guard and police reform uh, and have won. And still these police contracts make it so that it is impossible for real change to happen because you can get rid of them, you can fire them, but unless they're arrested, they can just get that job again. It, it's too easy. It is far too easy. Uh, there was a situation where a, a mm. like a 70-year-old man, I think he was 78, uh, we all saw the video. He was pushed over. He was concussed from the head. Uh, two officers resigned. And then uh, what seemed like a cool stunt, 57 of the officers that were there. Two officers were suspended. Sorry. Okay. And then the rest of them resigned, but not Yes. So the two officers were suspended. Those all the officers involved, they were not they they resigned from the riot force. They all still have their jobs. They are all still cops. They can all still do exactly what they want to do. They just can't patrol the protests. And they specifically resigned out of solidarity with the officers, not because they agreed that that was wrong. And, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, uh, it's a it's, it's a fundamental problem with our with our system from the day from day one. 
uh, cops were made, fun, fun fact for America guys, cops were made to protect uh, the rich people way back when. They weren't made to protect uh, little people. They were made to protect the rich people hundreds of years ago, and it hasn't gotten any better. There needs, I'm not the person to tell you what to do, but uh, systemic change needs to happen with our police force. We went, again, we live in a relatively small, quiet city. Tell me why our police force has riot gear. They had zip ties ready to arrest all of us. Why are they ready to go to war with the people who just want to say black people shouldn't be killed? Doesn't make sense to me. I don't think well, they that's need the, to that. that's the That's the issue with like, you know, that, that video we saw, we all saw the video of this gamer being like, I. Do you want to kill my race? I won't play your video games or whatever the hell. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone thought it was a satire, but he, but like, that's the thing that I just don't fundamentally understand how someone can hear, Hey, don't kill black people and immediately go to, why do you want me dead? It, it's insane. Uh, it, it's because they don't think black, they don't think black people are, 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 are living people. They think they're things. They don't think they're people. So it's like, Oh, you, it's I want I it's not you can't you can't you can't make sense of it because it doesn't make sense. Right. It just doesn't make sense. And and you can't change all minds. But I think I have never uh, after today I have never felt more hopeful that there are more people who care about changing things than there are the people who are dissenters. Yeah. Um. I I'm like if if we were just here in Chino and that many people came out, which was Ben, it was much more than I thought it would be. It was much more than I thought it would be. It was enough to get the attention of, of the police choppers because they were that Two nervous choppers. about it. Two choppers. Oh, wow. uh, it, it was enough. It was enough. Uh, it should be more, but it was enough. And not only like the amount of people who were marching, but the amount of people who were cheering on or supporting it or honking or stopping to have a moment with us. Barely, there were far fewer people who were speaking against us most most people were so on board and i have never felt more like okay we are the majority we are mostly people who care about this if we don't let up maybe it actually can go somewhere i have never felt more optimistic about it yeah things are not as bleak as i have feared it, especially if if the turnout is as big for us as it is for other cities and other countries which it is We've seen Paris have 15,000 people. But I mean, even like, like small communities, yeah. the ones that we're not seeing on like Twitch live streams or on the news, mm -hmm. this is just here in Chino and there were so many people. I'm like, this is happening everywhere. It's the most inspired I've, I've, I've felt in a long time. Like I, I left that protest feeling good, yeah. like actually feeling good. And I haven't felt that way in a long time. Uh, and it just goes to show like, we, we have to use our voices. We have to show them that this is important because the second that we stop going to protest, then they start going to protest, that everyone stops going to protest, it's just back to normal. And we are past that point. We cannot allow, we cannot go back. We are past that point. We have to be better, um, every single one of us. There was a guy speaking at our protest. When Dude, we were, I wouldn't start uh, crying. Uh, yeah, when we were there and uh, he was talking about how um, they tried to kill the civil rights movement when they killed when they killed Cesar Chavez when they killed Martin Luther King Robert Jr. Kennedy uh, Robert Kennedy when when people paid uh, their lives when all of this uh, 
the civil rights movement dissipated. It is, uh, he said that it is alive in 2020. This has shown the civil rights movement is back and it's bigger than ever. And uh, he said one of my favorite things I've ever heard about officers right now, because I don't think that the answer is to abolish the police entirely. I do believe it is to defund them. I do believe it is to change their contracts. But what the police need to be are guardians, not warriors. Yes. And that was the best thing I heard him say. Is he's like, we do need them. They need to be our protectors, but they do not need to be warriors in our community. And this dude, this dude's a veteran, and he's and he's a Latino guy, and he he was so passionate, and he's like, I can tell you, like as a veteran, like. I'm here to protect you. I'm not protecting them. I'm here to protect the community, and that's what they should. Everyone should be doing. And it was I'm, so, it was so inspiring, guys. I'm very vocal about my dislike of bullies. Um, bullied my entire life. I don't care for them. Our president is a huge bully. Our police force are just a bunch of bullies right now. We're seeing it in the protests. That's all they're doing. They are inciting violence to get those protests into riots a lot of the time, and they're they're acting like the bullies on a high school schoolyard. Yeah. Because a lot of them, that's exactly who they were 10 years ago. And I want to yeah. bring up, look, Megan, Megan is the love of my life. Her father is a cop, okay? It, I, <laughs> I get it. Uh, like, yeah, absolutely. Not every cop is a bad person, necessarily. You know, but this is a systemic problem. We have to address that all of the police need to be defunded. I, he's a good guy. It doesn't change the fact that, like, I'm against what's happening across the board with the police department in our country. They're I have, using, I, they're, using thing, they're using weapons. They're using weapons that are banned in war. Yeah. Uh, fun fact for those of you who don't know, tear gas is illegal in the use of war in many, many other countries. The U.S. is one of the only places in the entire world to continue to gas their own citizens. God bless America. So there's a couple of uh, celebrities that put their foot in the mouth this week. Um, I want to use shout up Jonathan Hickman. So what happened with Jonathan Hickman? I only saw the kind of the, okay. the, the beginning of it. Okay. So Jonathan Hickman is a guy who, uh, he's very publicly, uh, uh, not public. He is, he is reserved. He doesn't go on Twitter a lot. He's very, he's very, again, reserved. Like he, he's out of the limelight. He's his own guy. Um, obviously it's a very important movement. People want, especially with the X-Men, a lot of the X-Men community are, are, are people of color, gay, trans, all that stuff. And Jonathan Hickman is writing the X-Men, the most progressive team in comic book history. Um, my my mistake and a lot of other people's mistakes was we we expected him to support in a way that he didn't. We we expected him to say all the things we are saying uh, when that's just not the type of person he is. Um, he's donated thousands and thousands of dollars behind the scenes. Um, all of the X-Men writers have gone to support him saying everyone who's yelling at him needs to shut the fuck up because they do not know who he is as a person. And he is one of the nicest, most respectful people. He just doesn't like Twitter. He doesn't like social media. He thinks it's awful. He thinks it's gross. Um, and I and I sent him a message saying I'm disappointed in you. And I I messaged my one of my favorite writers how how he should be doing his job, how he should be supporting people. And that's not how you should be doing it. Just because he's not vocally saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that's not what he thinks. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it was a learning experience for me and a lot of people. Um, just because you don't see people saying the things you want them to say doesn't mean they don't feel it or doing it behind the scenes right, um right. and it was it seriously it was it was a it was a huge moment on x-men twitter because we attacked our we attacked our writer and and he left he he felt like we did him wrong and i never i never want to feel like jonathan hickman should feel bad because he's not doing more because that dude's doing more than all of us combined right and it, it, it really i was disappointed in myself because up until then i thought i was doing a really good job and and it was just a realization of like 
I should not be telling other people how they should be supporting. Because especially because I'm white. Like, that's I'm the last person who should be telling anybody how to do fucking anything. Yeah. It's, uh, a, yeah. you know, it's better than what J.K. Rowling did. Oh, oh. <laughs> open that right now but um uh i do think it's important like don't feel like you need to be a person it can be exhausting it can be very hard this isn't like this is true like everybody doesn't matter the color of your skin everybody can feel this pain when you're seeing these truly horrific acts against humanity that are happening to people that police brutality is happening right now it is exhausting to look at all of it it is exhausting to fight with people about it it is exhausting to have to argue with racists about how they're being racist it is it, it is just so tiring to have to uh grit through that and be like no but i need to to share something like this i need to make sure that i'm uh, another person just spreading this around for whatever little amount I can because it's important. That is hard. It is tiring. You do not need to be doing it on social media. You can find other outlets. Do whatever you can. Even if all you're doing is dealing with your inner circle, your world in person, just talking to people, having a conversation about it. It doesn't even need to be the people who like you need to have. You don't have to go seeking out confrontation with your racist family members or friends. You can just be having conversations with other people about how do you feel about this moment? This is how I'm feeling about this moment. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I think we need to do. It's okay to just have conversations about it so that we are being more cognizant, so that we are helping to educate each other. Mm-hmm. That's enough. That is enough. I mean, I, I, broke, I broke my Facebook silence because of this whole thing. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I, I promised myself I would never, ever post on Facebook again. <laughs> and I just, I saw everything going on and I, I put it into words. And I'm horrible at speaking, but I'm, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty damn good writer. So I decided to just write what I, what I felt. And honestly, what I felt is uh, so much anger towards the people who are being like, all lives matter, blue lives matter. Well... I wanted a haircut, so I protested. But you guys can't protest this. Um, oh so God. things like that just pissed me off so much. And then remembering that we have probably the most bigoted person in the world in the White House. Yeah, the always, the, always constantly shooting off, always tr- constantly shooting off violent tweets and 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 harassing people on Twitter. And I just thought, like, you f- you fucking surprised? Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing, like. Now we're now we are deep in it, right? Like friendships have ended, relationships aren't the same. Like we are at the point where like fight racism. Those racists are still there. They're not changing. That sucks. There's nothing we can do about it. We just have to be the better people. Because I know I I myself uh, I fight injustice with anger, and that's something I got to be better about. Because somebody was yelling MAGA outside, and I had to do everything in my power not to yell at them back. And that was like the one. That was like the one time somebody was mean at the protest. Somebody was yelling MAGA. The one time, and it took everything in my power not to, to start swearing. But we have to be better than that. We just have to show what's right, and then just try to try to try to be better. Just always be better. Be the better man. Um, I have a a friend on Facebook who constantly is in a liberal versus conservative battle with another person who I don't know. I've never met in person <laughs> on Facebook, and they're constantly just going at it and it's always like my barometer of like he's he's even uh, i i think a little too far left uh for me personally like a little too far onto that extreme end and he's way off the deep end on the right um but nonetheless 
I, I watch those and every now and then I think about getting involved and I'm like, it's, it's, it's so clearly not worth it because on both counts, but like it, my, my actions would be targeted against this other gentleman. Uh, he is committed in his belief system. I am never going to get through it. I can throw whatever facts, I can throw whatever evidence, I can throw whatever I want on the table because, that, because my friend's been doing it for, for years and it will never change anything. Mm -hmm. It's never going to get through. That's not where I should be spending my energy. It doesn't help me. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything good. Yep. Where I can spend my energy is on the people who don't understand microaggressions that I have now learned about when it comes to racism. That's where I can put that energy. When I can just say something small like, hey, I know you, you probably didn't mean that, it, but hey, this, because I've learned that it's like this. You know, I being in college still right now has, has still educated me on a whole bunch of things related to this. I just did a whole class about American character where we're talking about entirely how America has handled minorities and the lower class. Believe me, I've been, I've been trying to educate myself. I, and it, the whole thing is like, you're never done. You ha it's, a, it's a forever process of just practicing to recognize that you do not know everything. We never know everything. And there's always an opportunity to learn more about it. Uh, and just don't waste, do not waste your energy on the people who like, they, they can't be reached. You're not gonna change the hearts and minds there. It's not worth it. It just makes you hurt. Yeah. Don't do it. Did you guys see the, um... No, I don't want to talk about that point. Uh, this one. Um, as, a, as a Jewish man, I'm constantly very aware of um, Holocaust allegories. My mother called me uh, this, this past week to be like, hey, be careful about what you post on Twitter because they can bust down your door and come get, and come get you. I'm like, we don't live in Germany, but I understand your fear because our president's a fascist. Um, so, but things like tearing down Confederate statues or not wondering why the confederate flag is illegal in america um it, it is so reminiscent of nazi germany yeah germany has has outlawed every single nazi thing you can think of the flag is illegal the statues are illegal but they know every single thing about it they know every single thing about the holocaust and we even learn it across the sea so if you want to tell me that the confederate flag and these confederate statues traitors traitors to america because mm -hmm. that's what the confederacy was are part of our history and we can't forget them open the damn history book get rid of the fucking statue yeah yeah 100%. i yeah. agree um or i did like the suggestion of robert e, robert uh e lee's yeah. statue right now is covered in graffiti about george floyd and uh f racism and all that and someone has said why don't we just leave that like that for a hundred years yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of dope. They'll never do it, but that's kind of dope. I don't know if this is true. I haven't I haven't read my me. my uh, uh, Southern history in a while, but apparently Robert E. Lee, at the end of his life, was anti-Confederate as well. So his whole thing is a lie that he doesn't even believe. So have, why do we have all these statues? I have I have heard that's true as well. That's so funny. Um, to me. But uh, yeah, uh, spending my time in Mississippi. Let me tell you, there's a statue of Robert E. Lee, and under it, I've said this to you before. It says the the uh, the South uh, the South surrendered. We didn't. So there's still a lot of people with the mentality that the Confederacy is still alive and well. So like, it's, it's well, we have plenty of Nazis in the United States, also. So whatever. There yeah. are there are some people because um, like I said, my father he he is retired peace officer as well.
but he has arrested some people who were hardcore saying that, oh, we didn't surrender. It's just a ceasefire. This is the longest ceasefire in the history of the world. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. You lost. The Confederacy surrendered. They're done. It's gone. Now, like, this is the longest ceasefire. The Confederate States of America is brought back in the United States. There's no ceasefire. There's no two countries. No, there's not. Yeah. It's just like well, in order like, to have a war, you have to have a country. Whatever. Like um, the whole the whole statue the whole statues thing. Like one of the quote unquote arguments that people say is like, no, you're trying to erase our history. It's like we're not erasing the history. The history is in the it's history a book. It's a well, what'd you say, Ryan? You cut it's out a there. History. They didn't win. Why did yeah. they stand? Yeah. You put statues up for people who are winners. It's a, it, the statues are the, to glorify that history, to glorify those characters, those heroes, war heroes. Really, really, war heroes. Yeah. It is. It is not meant. It is not meant to remember them. It is not meant to shed light on history. It is meant to glorify a past that shouldn't be glorified. Yeah. Um. I will. I will say. Um. We obviously we want a lot of change. I unfortunately I I don't think a lot can change on a uh, federal big level while we have our current administration. I think uh, voting is never it's always important, but I think this might be the most important election of all time coming yeah. up. Uh, and as much as I please don't make me vote for Joe Biden, he's the guy, and that sucks, but he's the guy. And there's a great uh, analogy that I saw that. Um, JFK was assassinated, and then Lyndon B. Johnson was a president who went through the civil rights movement. He's the guy who helped uh, usher in all that shit. Joe Biden can be that guy. He can be the one to usher in real civil rights change. Uh, he's not the perfect uh, candidate. There is no perfect candidate, let's be honest. Uh, Bernie is out of the race. I love you, baby boy. Uh, Joe's who we got. Uh, we have to rally behind him. That's a shitty thing to say. I don't like saying it, but listen, no matter what, a democratic vote is a better vote. Uh, this, and- is the thing, this is the thing when I was talking about uh, with my parents a lot. My whole thing with Biden is I don't want him to just run on the platform of beat Trump. I want him to run on a you know a real platform. Yeah. But and that was my only thing that I had against him running outside of I would have much rather preferred Ber- Bernie. But the God a Jewish president man. Um, <laughs> but we um, listening to this week, watching watching our president. Uh, almost instigate martial law, reminding every single thing that he's done these past couple of years, even on his campaign. And then when he said George Floyd would look down and smile because our economy is doing so well, the audacity, the sociopathic audacity, we cannot go through another four years of this. It would destroy this nation. Yeah. And the problem is, um, I don't know if it was uh, Twitter or Facebook or one of them. I retweeted a Trump rally that was in full force, had hundreds of people. And people are saying, if you think the Trump people aren't around, never forget that they're the ones who won the election and not you. You need to remember, everyone needs to remember that. You might not see as many Trumpies, they're there. They're just silent and silent but deadly. So uh, your voice is never more important than it is this year, my friends. Please get out on those polls. Oh God, we gotta get, we gotta, we gotta bleach the White House. Get the orange out. We gotta bleach it. Get that old ass white man in there. The other old ass white man. We have to pull him out of the bunker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this got got much closer to the politics. uh, Oh, sorry. uh, Well, well, but that's the thing. No, but the thing is, our administration is not going to allow real change if if they're at the top. They won't allow it. One hundred percent. I just want to, I just want to bring it back to like, what, 
what we're we're currently going yes. through right now, which is these protests because police brutality, specifically against Black lives, yes. has has gone on for far, far too long. Um, our entire system has been built to keep them oppressed. Uh, it is time for radical change. Whatever you can do to educate yourself, whatever you can do to educate others, do it. Seek these things out. Just uh, we can't let even if the protests stop, which they're not right now, which is incredible. Um, but even if the protests stop, that doesn't mean we stop doing this now. We have to keep doing it. We have to keep being not just I'm not a racist, anti-racist. You have to keep uh, seeking out these voices, just like we've talked about with uh, I am Alfonso Jones with March, uh, Silence of Our Friends, other books like that, not, not just graphic novels, movies, television. Everybody's making lists of novels, books, uh, all oh, these guys. The help, obviously. Oh, God. No. All these resources that you can do just to any amount of you, I cannot stress enough, any amount of you opening yourself up to experiencing, uh, to you, you literally can never live their lives, but you can uh, educate yourself on those experiences by absorbing uh, all these materials, graphic novels, books. There are these resources. We need to seek them out. We yes. need to do the, our due diligence. The education system failed us in teaching us about racism. It failed us in teaching about how black people have been treated in our country. We have to do it ourselves. Uh, uh, America is like roughly 15% uh, uh, black people, African-American, right? Um, that's, I, I don't but know about you guys, that's, that's called a minority. That's not a lot of people. So we need to be allies, like what's worth saying, we need to be allies for everything that they do. We need to seek it out. We need to make sure that we build them up because who, no, who else is going to? they need allies more than more than ever uh and again like after going to those protests like i i i'm not a different person but i i i i need to do more and i want to do more because i know i'm not going to get challenged for doing it it really is uh i can't stress to you guys enough the listeners you two uh how much my perspective changed from being in it uh, because you can see these protests happening and you can see all of that and you can see them saying change happens now, the future is now. I have never believed it more than when I actually was able to go out to this much smaller community and see it happening. That th if this is happening here, it's happening everywhere. Yo, man, we stop traffic. We have People have the power. You just have to believe in yourself. That Man, that's something that the guy said. He's like, if you don't believe in yourself, then no one's going to believe in you. That's another beautiful thing, man. Like you have to be just as strong and you have to fight this movement with, with everything that you have or else it's not going to matter. You have to believe in it. And I, I, I really believe in it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm, I am, I am a changed person. Let's say, I think, I think, uh, Brandon, maybe you don't need to go to your LA protest. Cause that's where people get tear gassed. And I respect your life more than that. Uh, Ben, uh, I'm not saying you need to, but honestly, it, I, I, it is a different, you leave different than going to a protest. You, the hundreds of people in solidarity, solidarity. Uh, you, the cops there who like maybe don't want you there. You can't really tell, but they should be doing the job and respecting you because you're uh, they're doing it pro, uh, peacefully. Like all that stuff, it, it's so impactful. And to see the how many hundreds of cars pass by honking and sticking their hands out in solidarity, it it was so moving. I truly nothing has made me feel this way in in a long time. Like it's uh, things need to change, and it, it feels good to be a part of it. 
Um, okay. Shall we end this? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I just want to give like a final note of, yes, I'm going to try and put together my own uh, just resource list, just trying to throw whatever I can out there. Um, everybody, there are plenty of people talking about it, what you can do. Um, this, is, this is history. Uh, our kids are going to be learning about this. Um, those of us who are going to have kids, no offense, Brandon. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I have a our, cat. Our, your cat's not going to read about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, this is a, a very important moment in our country. It's not just because of Trump. It's not just because of the election. It's not even just because of the protests. Um, and it's not even just because of the coronavirus. This is uh, something is happening. Um, the lower class, the uh, minorities, everyone who has been abused by the system, those who are aware that the system is abusive, they're all uh, starting to stand up together. And it has uh, never been more clear that that is most people in this country that don't want it to stay the way that it is. Um, we saw there was some Polynesian, uh, Pol Pacific Islanders. Pacific Islanders, thank you. There were some Pacific Islanders and it, they did a haka for us. And it was like, it was like five or six of them. And they in just to see them do their thing, surrounded by so many diverse people and how we are all in this together. And like, white people are not as oppressed, right? So we need we need to use our voice to help the people who are oppressed. Because you know, we kind of we kind of did this, unfortunately. Sorry, we're the bad guys. We got to do something about it, right? That's my voice. Hawkers are cool. You guys seeing it live? <laughs> Holy shit! It's oh so yeah, cool. there are. I, I have seen a few live myself. That's pretty. That's rad. Me personally, and I'm sure Ryan feels the same way. I want to take a moment and thank Brandon and Ben for starting this podcast mm -hmm. because you guys doing that years ago has allowed us to have even a small amount of influence and a small amount of a platform to be able to say a little bit more, to be able to do something. And I'm grateful for that I am because doing this just by myself, like on my little amount on Twitter or going out to the protests is great. What I can do is nice, but having somewhere like this where I can put out an open dialogue, that feels good. It feels like I'm still contributing something out there to say, I also, uh, want to help. I want to show that there are, uh, like having the opportunity to put out that we were talking about this book is special. And I'm grateful for you guys for doing that. Oh, fuck you. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and maybe if there's any bad apples in our community, get them out. Get them out. Don't want you. Sorry. Love you. Don't love you. Be nice to people. Don't be I've a been, Yeah, I've been, I've been surprised. I think, you know, I think we got a good follower base. A lot of, I think everyone on here who follows us or watches us or whatever, I think they're on our side. Hell yeah. Yeah. There is um, like straight up, like the, the set, the heart of what we're talking about is not about the conservative versus the liberals, the right versus the left. It's not about that. This is about, this is wrong. What's what we're talking about, the systemic racism, what happened to George Floyd, what happened to Breonna Taylor, what happened to Ahmed Aubrey, it's all wrong and it needs to change. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, uh, Ben. Yeah. It's your book club next week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you want to follow that up? Uh, I, I fear that my uh, um, answer for the book club is nowhere near as impactful as um, I am Alfonso Jones, which, by the way, there's one thing I really wanted to say. At, at the very end of the book, there was a glimpse into – this is a fictional book, obviously, so it was uh, – but it's a world that I wish I would live in where we met the first um, woman African-American president of the United States. And honestly, that is a future I would love to live in. So obviously it's not going to happen in this election, but maybe somewhere down the road that yeah. could happen. 
Yeah. And because she was talking I, about Biden that, just takes off his face and Mission Impossible style. It's Kamala Harris the whole time. It's Michelle Obama. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you would have won much faster. You just would have won like that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, that was, this. <laughs> yeah, that will hopefully that's a future that my children and grandchildren will be able to live in. But as for my book club mm-hmm. next week. It's something that I know Brandon would not stop talking about how good it is. It's something I've been wanting to read for a very long time, and I finally got my hands on it thanks to that sale at Comic Madness. It is Immortal Hulk <laughs> Volume 1 by – where are the names? It's Al whole, Ewing. Al, yeah, thank you. Al Ewing and Joe Bennett with Ruby Jose – no, that – wow, dyslexic. Uh, Roy Jose as the inker. Rui, it's called R U Y. Did you did you not hear what Ryan was doing when you were talking about introducing what, the book club? What was he saying? Ryan just kept Ryan just kept going. It's Immortal Hulk. It's Immortal Hulk. It's Immortal Hulk. <laughs> Surprise! It's, no, no, it, 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 I'm excited to read it again. I love it. It's, uh, yeah. it's the Immortal Hulk. Um, there was Don't a funny tweet. Giving away my book clubs, Ryan. There was a funny tweet uh, that happened that happened where I guess someone on Fox News says they're attacking police with Mazel Tov cocktails. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite comment on that was like Shabbat Kablam, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I was gonna touch. <laughs> yeah, I like that a whole lot. Can you imagine if someone just popping up and going, "Lahayam, bitch"? <laughs> and someone, someone also posted, says Molotov instead of Mazel Oh anyway. god, there's no going back earlier when you guys were talking about the the K-pop fans just like taking over that hashtag on Twitter. There's this great meme of uh, Gimli from Lord of the Rings where it's like, I never thought I'd die side by side by a K-pop fan, and it was a K-pop fan superimposed on Legos. It's like, what about side by side with a friend? He'd be like, I I can do that, and they're just charging know. into the black gates with a bunch of racist assholes. I don't understand that BTS army, but I love them. I appreciate them. They're fighting our fight. <laughs> Um, okay, so this no, that's actually uh, those Avengers Endgame replacements. Oh, baby, where it's just the, the protesters being supported by all these different things, and I'm like, wow. I mean, it's not real, but it's moving yeah. as shit. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm touched that like it wasn't just me. I have seen a lot of black people posting this and being like, guys, this is like this is my high right now. Yeah. I'm on this. Uh, there's there's a giant man coming out of the building. It's like anonymous coming out of hiding. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, None of this. <laughs> um, the okay, so the uh, yeah, so the coming weeks, so the coming week, we actually have quite a few things on the docket. Um, one of them I won't mention because we, you know, we'll discuss whether or not we want to move that or not. But uh, our anniversary is this coming Friday. Wow! Holy shit! And I thought it was next month. Four so years, right? this, we've been doing this for four years, right? I don't. I don't years where we thought it was a different point in time last year we missed it by a week <laughs> yeah Got um, it. so so this this coming friday june 12th is our four-year anniversary of doing the show and um we will mark the occasion with something we are currently discussing what that something is um i think we got it though so definitely take a look look forward to that we will we will announce what it is and probably make a whole thing of it um uh, and we had something else this week, but we'll discuss if we're, we'll discuss that. Um, that one will be a surprise. <laughs> Next week we have uh, Artemis Fowl, the newly acquired Disney Plus original movie. Real quick, 
do you think it's going to be good? Yes or no? I cannot say. I think I think I, I'm gonna too much. No, 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 too much. Yes or no? I'm gonna say yes. yes. Are you looking at me or are you I'm looking gonna, at him? I'm gonna say surprise. Yes. Are you the wait? Did, did you want me to answer or? Yeah, just, you too. Just yes or no? No. Uh, I forgot to mention when I was recovering my week, I'm I'm now halfway through the book because oh. I've been revisiting the book, and no, I don't think that movie's <laughs> gonna be good. <laughs> um. So then, after Artemis Fowl, next week we will continue our uh, our DC animated movie universe uh, watch through with Justice League versus Teen Titans, Justice League Dark, and Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. Uh, All right. Real quick, uh, our life has been kind of crazy, so there's been a lot going on for both Ryan and I with the world. It's nuts. It's all that. So we missed Basement Arcade this week. Yeah, I did. Uh, just letting you know that totally happened. Uh, we'll we'll get it back up and going soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Basement Arcade, uh, we have a YouTube channel, which you would know if you're watching this right now. But if you're listening to this, we have a YouTube channel. Nope. Um yeah, you can go to the link in the description, check out our YouTube channel where we have other shows such as Fake Nerds Watch, which we recently just put up a, a watch of uh, the Clone Wars, uh, the, uh, the Siege of Mandalore arc, and Basement Arcade, the aforementioned Basement Arcade, where we are going through Mortal Kombat 9. Uh, wow. Those two shows are available on our on our page. Like and subscribe. Uh, ding that little bell icon so you get notifications. Got a lot of stuff coming at you. Um, we are a Funko affiliate. We have a Funko affiliate link. In the, promo, in the link in our description, a lot of cool Funko Pops uh, coming out. So definitely check that out. Use 10%, use Shop 10 for 10% off your purchase. We also have a Patreon. We have a Tee Public. If you guys like to support us, greatly appreciate it. Other ways, a new way you can support us is through our new uh, exclusive to Crafted by Z Fake Nerd Podcast masks, which are designed with, with exclusive Fake Nerd Podcast um, fabric. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, re- they're really cool. Uh, only twelve dollars. It will be made to order on her site. On her site, link in the description there. Or all of this can be found on our website at www.fakenerdpodcast.com. I am actually putting up a new blog post. Blog post this week about Diamond. I waited because I didn't want to be like, "Hey, look at my article while everyone's dying." <laughs> sure. uh, um, so check that. So definitely check all those links out. All those links are in the are in the description below. Thank you to everyone listens. Thank you to the two people watching this right now. Who too? Oh, when did the second there. one come? Thanks. Well done, me. guys. Thanks for sticking around. But yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for watching on the rewind. Thank you guys for watch, for listening to this on your on your, on your iTunes and whatnot. Uh, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. If you're listening to this afterwards, uh, he does he did the, the theme music that you heard and the intro music that you heard. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. That's not Jeremy. That's totally That's Jeremy. Jeremy. That's Batman. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Village Keyboards. He also has a podcast called Suburban Proctologist. You can find that on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Facebook.com slash Suburban, Proctolo- Suburban Proctologist Official and Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, you're great. We love you. Uh, he did our logos. Um, hopefully, more stuff in the coming future. We got to get a new trivia challenge going because, like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? You can find me uh, playing with my brand new Game Boy and all those other games and pitching about nostalgia on uh, Instagram and Twitter 
at BenMagnet27. And also, especially if you really like the video games part, I also write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. New article will be up eventually. Yay! Okay. <laughs> uh, Sparks? Uh, you can find me still talking about the most relevant conversation in America right now, which is Black Lives Matter, at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter. Ryan? Hello, Splash Page Comics. This is the outro, so you missed the whole episode. I love you, though. I'm Ryan Iliopoulos. You can find me at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. Uh, I didn't stream this week because I was too busy watching protests for hours on end, but you can definitely maybe catch me next week at DJ Tony Snark on Twitch and YouTube. All right, guys. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. Until next week, guys. Don't be a dick. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs>